JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. This is a spectacular afternoon in central Indiana and one that should be celebrated, one that should be celebrated with me. In fact, South Meridian is our location. I'm looking out over the street right now. One of the great parts about being here downtown at Walk-Ons is that we are sitting right inside both open double doors. So we've got a lot of the outside, inside and inside, outside Ice cold Bud Light, some of the most fantastic food of any of the places where we go on any of our Bud Light Blue Fridays. Walk-Ons just has incredible food, of which I'll go over, and the specials we have coming up a little bit later on. And, of course, we have tickets to give away. Olivia, how many? Two pair to give away here for the Browns game. Is that what that is? I believe so. So, yes, get here, and we're going to give you a chance to win a couple of pair of tickets with the Browns, I believe, and the Colts. If not, I'll go ahead and say, all right, maybe the Buccaneers, maybe the Saints. But, no, I believe it's the Browns. Of course, the Colts on the road coming up this weekend, and we'll get to that coming up in a minute. But if you've never been to Walk-Ons, again, it is right here, downtown South Meridian, um, basically a half a block south of Georgia right here, which is an outstanding place that you'll love. You'll see us right before... You go under the railroad tracks. Now, I was going to say, you'll see us right before you'll pass a little bit of construction, but that wouldn't tell you where you are because there's a little bit of construction going on absolutely everywhere. I can tell you this, the Big Glen's going to be out here with a red flag waving it to make sure you guys all stop, get parked, and get over here and win you some tickets to the game. In fact, maybe, just maybe, to the winners of these tickets later on today, I'll make sure. I'll pat you on the back, say thank you for coming, and make sure that you join us inside the Bullseye Event Center coming up a week from Sunday, right? A little bit of a, a Colts pregame activity for you inside the Bullseye Event Center coming up next weekend. So, yeah, stop by, walk-ons. You're asking me how long it's been here. Walk-ons has been here. I want to say it opened up officially back in June. Um, And we were down here doing a show. It is outstanding, and I promise that you will love the food. Now, yesterday we talked to Derek Brooks about that, the Hall of Famer, and the guy that takes care of um, the, the fine appeals and such and the punishment appeals in the NFL, the former linebacker with the Buccaneers and the Hall of Famer is a part of this place. Booger McFarland, who you heard a little bit earlier with Jake, is also 
a part of this place. I believe Drew Brees is is also a part of it. And our friend Todd Johnson as well. You know Todd Johnson uh, because of the, the Mucky Duck down on the south side. We go there so much. But this is a fantastic place. And it is a beautiful day to come and join us again downtown on a Bud Light Blue Friday. And uh, we'll hopefully get you set up for some Browns, Colts tickets, multi-pair for you. Coming up a little bit later on today. All right. Mike Duraco is going to join us now. This is a loaded day. So I want to make sure you guys have the opportunity to get in. But I did also want to tell you we're going to be all over the map and talking about stuff because, frankly, there is a crap load going on. The final regular season Friday night on the high school football schedule. And, of course, got a big one with Cathedral and Center Grove, our high school football game of the week. Has Eddie Garrison on the call? That's J-Law in the house right there. Uh, has uh, Eddie Garrison on the call with Jim Leisure? That's HSC and Brownsburg. Coming up later on this evening, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Car X locations. Bob Lovell at the bottom of the hour will go over all of that for you. All these games, the meaningful games, especially in the preparation for what is the postseason for not all the beginning of that coming up next week, but for many. Now, some get underway the week after, but a lot of them get underway coming up next Friday. And Bob Lovell is going to join us, bottom of the hour, brought to you by Car Action, your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run Car X locations. We'll talk about that with Bob. Mike Wells, ESPN Radio, 4 o'clock hour. Spiro Ditas of CBS, he was on last week. Things worked out well. When he and Archuleta did the game here, so we thought, we'll go ahead and turn this thing around and get Spiro back on the show. I maybe even lob him, I don't know, a couple of NBA questions as well regarding the Pacers a little bit later on. But Spiro's going to join us at 4.30 today. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. He is in the uh, crap water state known as Michigan. Getting ready for IU Michigan. So fresh off a of bye week. When IU football fans could chill out and not have to worry about anything, not have to worry about being pissed off at everything. So you didn't have to worry about it, and now you really do. Now you jump back in at the big house coming up tomorrow, and Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour regarding that too. Plus, the simple fact is we'll get another Jacksonville angle coming up toward the end of the show. It is absolutely loaded today so you do have time if you want to jump in and some of the news today looks like Blake Blake Freeland at right tackle now I will say this Braden Smith uh, with an injury has been ruled out by Shane Steichen so Braden Smith will be out and as it stands right now Freeland which obviously is a rookie has started in place of Bernard Ryman at left tackle if it stands in which I think the belief is out there. And, again, there are some hurdles to get past here. There's concussion protocol uh, for Bernard Ryman, for example, to get past right here. But he has been, much like his teammate Quiddy Pay on the defensive side, in full participation this week. They just have that final hurdle to get past regarding concussion protocol. It's always tough for me to suggest, well, do you believe they're going to play? Do you believe they're going to – I don't know. You just kind of have to wait until they get by. Now, for Mo Alley-Cox, news not so good for him, and the news not so good regarding the injury to Braden Smith, but we'll see whether or not you get Freeland on the right side, and I can't imagine if you're missing both the right and the left tackle going up against 
you know, one of the better rushers coming off the edge or really anywhere on the field getting after the quarterback consistently than Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That would be incredibly problematic. So, and really, you know what's going to happen. I mean, he's going to line up wherever Blake Freeland is probably going to be coming up on Sunday. You know, much like we saw, good to see you, how are you doing? Much like we saw Aaron Donald do that a couple of weeks back when the Rams came in here and beat the Colts. So those are things we shall see. Now, regarding Anthony Richardson, not much to tell you. He is rehabbing right now. No decision has been made regarding surgery. He uh, still has been out at practice. And, of course, you saw that video that circulated with him, you know, dropping by a a fan's house in the past day or two, Uh, something that Jim Irsay, the Colts owner, also retweeted but his arm is still in the sling. He was at practice. But, again, no final decision regarding surgery or not has been made, according to Shane Steichen, at this time. Now, we're also tracking whether or not Quiddy Pay is going to be able to give this thing a shot on that defensive line coming up on Sunday as well. Again, that hurdle is also going to be concussion protocol, much like his teammate Bernard Ryman. Um Mo Alley-Cox still needs to get clear, the tight end of protocol. And you got Ryan Kelly, who I believe sat out today, but should be good to go, according to Shane Steichen. Also, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart did not practice, but also should be good to go coming up on Sunday. So it's a banged-up group, no doubt about that. Now, joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, we'll get the Jacksonville side of things, where they are right now at 3-2 and two to this date. Mike DiRocco, who is in Jacksonville, joins us now. So how much time did you spend in London in the past two weeks, Mike? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't stay for the whole two or ten days. I did first game and stayed till Wednesday, and then our Bills rider shot over. Uh, and took care of the Bills Jags game. So uh, I had about what six days, five days. So um, you know, it was an enjoyable trip. I'm glad it's over though. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this: I was over there once, and it was this time of year in October. I absolutely loved it when the Colts went over there and played the Jacksonville Jaguars. I I didn't want to go initially, and then in in hindsight, I'm glad that I, I did go. I had a great time. Now, we'll say this. I was only there basically, you know, from a Friday through a Sunday evening. So I, I think that's ideal. I don't know if I would want to be there for four or five days. It would seem like there's plenty to see, but people also have to keep in mind that you're also there on the clock and working. So I don't know if I'd want to do that for five days or certainly ten days. But for a weekend, I thought it was glorious back in 2016. Yeah, that's the only other time I went to, and, and both times the weather was much yep. warmer than they're normally getting. So uh, I guess uh, the U.K. rolled out the welcome mat for us there. But uh, I actually took two days off, um, and uh, we visited some friends that live several hours outside of London. So I did get some work, but I also got some free time, too. So Mike DiRocco, ESPN.com, he covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. I went over the laundry list of injuries that the Colts are dealing with right now, Um, obviously starting with their quarterback, who is going to be on IR for at least the next four weeks and probably going to be missing longer than that, Anthony Richardson. So you guys have seen a great deal of Gardner Minshew in the past. We know that. What do you and what does this team think about Gardner Minshew stepping in for Anthony Richardson as a starter coming up on Sunday? Well, you know, there are 
there's a lot of respect for Minshew still in this building. Uh, I know it didn't go well here at the end uh, for him. And, um, you know, he was the quarterback for most of that season when they went 1-15, but he did beat the Colts in that opener in 20. Um, but, they, you <laughs> yeah. know, they know what they're getting with him, and I think that's the best thing you, you, you have, the best quality to have in a backup quarterback. They know he's going to be efficient. They know he's going to get rid of the ball quick. They know he's not going to probably – or they know he's not going to put them in a bad situation and, and he's not going to try and make some throws he knows he can't do and, and turn the ball over. So um, the hope is if you're the Jaguars, you can get some push up the middle, get in his face and kind of disrupt him that way. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't know that there's an, a, a huge amount of concern about Minshew going down the field because that was, you know, one of the issues that, they had with him as a starting quarterback here is that he didn't really like to push it down the field. And that's partly yeah. because he doesn't have the strongest arm, but uh, you know, they're not absolutely thinking that this is just going to be a walkover by any stretch of the imagination. You know, they, they're, they're they know it's going to be a, a tough game. So Mike Duraco who joins us too. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we all want to see Anthony Richardson for obvious reasons. But it's funny around here, people have confidence in what they have seen in Minshew so far. And, you know, whether or not it's it's coming in in in-game duty, you know, as we have seen for Richardson, who has gone out, or that start in Baltimore, confidence is – maybe I wouldn't say it's equally as high with Richardson in there, but it's not far off the pace and certainly not far off the pace considering this division, Mike, and this schedule for the Colts – not too far off the pace of, of being a non-believer, for example, that this team can be competitive and win some of these games in which Richardson's going to miss. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, Gardner's going is, is a good quarterback. He's a really smart kid, uh, understands the offense, and he's, like I said, he's not going to put you in a bad position to win, and, and he will complete a high percentage of his passes. That is really, you know, that's sort of his wheelhouse there. Now you just got to get a couple of big plays, out of that, and uh, you know this this Colts team I know is banged up, uh, but the Jags are banged up too, and this is a big game. I mean, the Jags win this game; they're they're alone and first in the division, and they've got two wins over the Colts. So, uh, you know, it's a big big step for them. And look, they've got a, a pretty tough stretch coming ahead of them. They're on the road on a short week in New Orleans, and they got to go to Pittsburgh, get the bye, and then they get San Francisco here. Uh, first game after the bye. So it's it's a tough stretch for them. And this is a game, you know, you got to have it because it's the division game. And, and like I said, this is – I don't get a sense from anybody in that building, even from the guys that played, you know, with Minshew back in 2020 and 2019 that are still here, that they feel like this is, you know, an automatic W. They're, they're you know, they're concerned. All right, I, I went over right before you popped on here, Mike, the uh, myriad of injuries the Colts are dealing with, and obviously Jacksonville also is coming into to this. For this date in October, very huge matchup, certainly within the AFC South. What are the Jaguars dealing with outside of Jay, Zay Jones that we may not have been talking about so far up here? Yeah, the uh, left guard, Walker Little, uh, he's not going to play because of a knee injury either, and that's that's a big loss for the Jags. You know, he had started at left tackle the first four weeks uh, for Cam Robinson, who was, you know, serving his PED uh, suspension. Robinson came back last week, and they moved Walker Little over to left guard. He had been their most consistent and probably their best offensive lineman in the first month, 
and they had issues at, at the guard spot. Ben Barch uh, was not playing well. They ended up benching him for Tyler Shatley, uh, who's going to be the guy that starts at left guard this week here. So, um, you know, that's probably the biggest, you know, out, I mean, Jones is a big loss, absolutely, but, you know, it's made up for a little bit by, they, you know, the fact they still have Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and Jamal Agnew and, and uh, you know, Evan Ingram at tight end. Um, but, you know, not having Walker Little is going to hurt because that offensive line has not played well, uh, especially up the middle. Uh, the right guard, Brandon Sheriff, has not really played his best football, and, and the center, Luke Fortner, has had some issues there uh, as well. So if you can get some push in the, in the middle of that offensive line, uh, which I think where the, the Colts are, are pretty good, um, you know, we saw that the first week, um, you know, that's going to create some problems for Trevor Lawrence. All right, a couple of weeks. Mike DeRocco, by the way, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. A couple of weeks in London. Did the Jaguars find anything, especially coming up against that, that Buffalo team and doing what they did this past Sunday there? Find anything good that maybe they weren't doing prior to those two weeks in Europe? Yeah, I mean, the, the offense certainly was better against the, the Falcons than it had been, and, and that's the, the the unit that showed up against the Bills is the best it's looked all year. And, you know, people around here are wondering, what did they do different? Did Press Taylor call it different plays? Did Doug Peterson take over play calling? No, honestly, they just actually executed. They had chances in every other game that they played that they lost, uh, you know, ten, uh, excuse me, Kansas City and Houston, to make big plays and to operate efficiently, and they just kept stepping all over their own toes and penalties, turnovers, um, drop touchdown passes, drop passes all over the field. Um, you know, it was sort of just a mess. It was not the way the offense operated at the end of last season. With You know, it was a top 10 unit, top 10 in yards, top 10 in points. Um, so I guess everyone, and, you know, I guess I would be included in this too, just figured that it would sort of pick up. Um, you know, a little bit where they left off, and then you add in Calvin Ridley, so you're expecting this offense to kind of go crazy, and it didn't happen the first three weeks of the season, and and you're sitting there wondering, well, wait a minute, what's going on? But uh, getting away apparently did them some good, and and they started making the plays that they hadn't been making, you know, and specifically, you know, Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence hooking up on a key third down late in the game, cover zero, Bills put the safety Micah Hyde on, on Ridley, you know, a little hand signal check to another play, and, and that allowed them to go ahead and, and, you know, run more clock and eventually score what turned out to be, you know, the deciding touchdown there. So that's the kind of stuff that they really hadn't been doing. And, you know, the thing is, it could have been much worse because Trevor Lawrence fumbled twice, lost two fumbles, one inside the red zone. You know, they would have had chances to pile on even more points and, and you know, so they're still got some work to do there. But if they're operating more efficiently now than they were the first, you know, three weeks of the season, that's a good sign. So Mike Duraco of ESPN.com, he's joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, I, I think it's such a big deal on this Colts offensive line, for example, at right tackle. We'll find out about Ryman, who still needs to clear concussion protocol, although he has been practicing in full this week. We'll see. Ryan Kelly is assuredly going to be back coming up on Sunday, but without Braden Smith and knowing 
Josh Allen on the other side, obviously against anybody, he's going to be good. But, you know, if he finds, you know, that niche against a rookie like Freeland, that's problematic. How do you view that up front for the Jags versus, at this point in time, a banged-up offensive line, Mike, of the Colts? Well, you would automatically think, or you would think that that would be an automatic advantage for the Jaguars. But I watched this Jaguar team play against the Houston Texans that started four backup offensive linemen. C.J. Stroud had been the most sacked quarterback in the league, uh, 11 sacks at that point at the time of the game, and the Jags hit him four times. That's it. Didn't, bring, didn't sack him, hit him four times. So, you know, it's been really kind of feast or famine for this pass rush, and, and the same for Josh Allen. Uh, you know, three sacks in the opener, uh, three sacks against the Falcons, and uh, got a good pressure last week. Um, you know, got penalized for hitting the quarterback in, in the in the helmet and in what was sort of a questionable call. Um, but you know what? They threw the flag. It is what it is. But, you know, he the, the big thing about Josh Allen is he's finishing plays this year. Last year he was among the top, uh, you know, seven guys, I think, in the NFL in terms of number of pressures. But he just wasn't finishing. Uh, and now he's finishing. So you got to hope that this guy – you know, is able to kind of do what he did the first week and, and finish some more plays. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing is from the Jag standpoint is that you know you don't have to worry about Minshew taking off and running around like Anthony Richardson did. Um, you know, I talk about this team, you know, being very respectful and, and not thinking this is a W, but, you know, I, I honestly think Gardner Minshew is a much better matchup for them uh, you know, than Anthony Richardson, I think, or excuse me, a worse matchup for them from Anthony than Anthony Richardson. I think the Colts' offense more explosive. Um, you know, when Richardson's in, and there's that run element, and you know, it's a lot like Mahomes. You think you've got him, yeah. You know, corralled, and he flicks an arm, and it's thirty yards down the field, and the guy you lost track of all of a sudden has a big play. So, I, that element is out. Um, and you know, like I said, he's not Minshew's not going to be running around back there too much. So you know where he is. You get push in the face. You know it, it could be and should be a day that Josh Allen and, and Trayvon Walker have some success. Mike Garacco of ESPN.com. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, and you're absolutely right. You know, for this date in October, this is a mammoth game within this division in terms of how things may or may not shake out the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, we say that all the time. A lot of times it's a big game. It's a big game. But it, it really is, too, for for the reasons, you know, I mentioned. But also because, look, the last last year this team came back from London. They played terrible in London, lost to uh, the Broncos. And they played a home game the next week. And they went and ended up going down 17-0 to the, the Raiders. Now, they came back and won that game and, and outscored the Raiders 27-3 over the last 35 minutes. But – you know, all week they've talked about have to avoid the lull, have to avoid, you know, starting slow, have to avoid looking sluggish. And, you know, when you've got a big game like this, which you, know, you get in first place in the division, you have a two-game, essentially a two, um, three-game, basically a three-game lead over the, the, the Colts, who looked like at least early in the season were, were not going to be the pushover that everybody expected and, and would be a team that would compete for the title. You know, now, now you start to feel good about yourself. If you can get on a roll 
and you can get to that bye at six and two, then you can kind of take command of that division. Uh, you know, and the same for the Colts. I mean, I know, you know, you win that game, and, and obviously without Richardson there's some concern, but, you know, you look at the schedule they have, don't they? I think the fourth game is, what, Carolina um, from now? I mean, they've got a chance yeah. to kind of make a little bit yeah. of headway in the division as well, but you got to get this one. Got to get this one. He is Mike DiRocco, always awesome with us of ESPN.com, covers the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, the Colts and the Jags coming up on Sunday. Big one in the AFC South, week number six down in Jacksonville. Mike, I appreciate that time. Have a great weekend down in Jacksonville and enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Mike DiRocco is always clutch on this show. We thought we would start out this Friday's show with the information from the Jacksonville side of things right there. Walk-ons downtown. This is a Bud Light Blue Friday. We've got multi-pair of Colts tickets to give away, so make sure you come down here. And I'm talking about fantastic food at this place. You'll love the food at Walk-ons. Join us down here. We'll be here until 7 o'clock after Colts Happy Hour to give you a chance to win and to have a great time. Ice cold Bud Light on a Bud Light Blue Friday, South Meridian at Walk-ons. Other side, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, the final regular season Friday night in high school football. Some big ones on this schedule, including the one we have here coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. We'll talk to Bob about that coming up in just a couple of minutes. Again, live at Walk-Ons downtown, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the Wynn Schuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. We've also got you via the stream, the app, and HD radio. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Don't go away. We don't hold the cheese. When Schuler spreadable cheese is inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the official sponsor of the lounge and of this show. When Schuler spreadable cheese is, you can find it in Meyer and in Kroger locations throughout central Indiana. A variety of flavors, original cheddar, sharp cheddar, bacon and cheddar, and pepper jack. That's when Schuler spreadable cheeses never, ever, ever hold the cheese. Hey, we're live at Walk-Ons downtown South Meridian. We've got tickets to give away for the next home game for the Colts. That's the Browns. We're talking up Colts, too. we got great food at Walk-Ons. Looking for you. Ice cold Bud Light inside the lounge via YouTube Live, wherever you might be listening. And if you're watching, like inside the lounge, that's fantastic. Participation. Always welcome inside the lounge via YouTube Live. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he's got a busy Friday night and a busy weekend in general. Indiana Sports Talk is throughout the state of Indiana on some of the finer radio stations in this state. And he's brought to you by CarX. Your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. CarX.com for that location nearest you. It's the final reg of the season on a high school football Friday night. And to discuss from Indiana Sports Talk, it's Bob Lovell. Good afternoon, Bob. How are you? I'm great, John. How are you? It's almost like this is such a glorious day. I know you're, you're staked yeah. out down in yeah. Franklin in the heart of Johnson County right now. Right. It's like you're in like the Virgin Islands or something. It's so nice around here. Does it feel uh, like the Virgin Islands in Franklin right now? Here's what it, feel, here's what it feels like. As soon as we finish talking, I'm in the pool. <laughs> now, are you still it's running that heater? Oh, you yeah. running the heater? Yeah. Oh, that's, part, that's brilliant. I'm part owner of Center Point Energy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is, this is what we come to understand. And, and way back, back when it was a cement pond, 
from basically 76 uh, up into around 2000, uh, I had a pool, an in-ground pool where I grew up down in Greene County, and it was always... You know, it, it was this glorious oasis, and everybody came by, by, and it was a big party. Now, we didn't have a heater, so and we didn't have a cover. So we just had to get in there when it was ice cold most of the time. And, 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 and knowing this from the past, it's not so much the temperatures today that will get you to cool the water down. It's the overnight temperatures that right. the daytime right. temps never lift you back up once you lose that. Well, you keep an eye on the uh, weather forecast, and you also understand that with the, the climate uh, patterns recently, it seems to be a little bit uh, warmer, a little bit longer, and so you extend it. But when you you make an investment of having a, a pool in your, your backyard, uh, I'm of yeah. the opinion that you, if you, if you need to use it, and for you to use it, you need to have a heater, and you need to be judicious about it, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you get Indian summer, and we're in it, and so... I'm all set, so uh, I'll think about you while I'm out there uh, floating around. Oh, I am so jealous too, and what that heater does, <laughs> it allows you it allows you to open it up in April earlier and right, close it right, down right. in late October later. So you squeeze as much as possible out of that pool. I'm there, I'm there with you. No, I called my pool guy yesterday, and I said, uh, he said I was wondering if you're going to call, and I said, yeah, I'm in no hurry. He goes, so you want it done before Thanksgiving? I said. Yeah you, yeah, you know what I do? Uh, but I said, I don't care how much before. I just, you know, if you do it, you do it. You don't. You'll get to it sometime. We're fine. <laughs> so Exactly. Uh, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> hey, right, speaking of being week fine. Nine, brother. Week yeah, this is. A, did you watch the parents this, show? Um, I did not, but I gathered what you guys Thanks. were talking about <laughs> at great length. We'll discuss coming up in just a minute. But I did want to ask you, this final regular season night, You've got a pair of dandies here in oh 6A, one of which Eddie Garrison's on the call with Brownsburg and Hamilton Southeastern. But you have Center Grove and Cathedral at the Butler Bowl tonight, too. Which of those two games holds more interest, you think, for everybody? Because those are two games with Goliaths across the board going at one another. Well, I think if you look at the championships won in the last decade, those are two teams, Center Grove and Cathedral, uh, are clearly up there. And uh, Center Grove, two-time defending champ, ranked number one. Cathedral, everyone knows their storied tradition. They're ranked number six. Uh, but the Brownsburg-HSE game is equally intriguing. Brownsburg's number three, HSE's number four. All four of those teams we're talking about, John, are capable of winning a state championships in 6A. And so you're looking literally, this is like a, uh, a semi-state weekend, with the uh, caliber of play and what's on the line for all of these teams. Yeah, I, I know we kind of get charged with around here having uh, a little bit of a, a narrow focus on the games <laughs> that we talk about and cover. Right. But, I mean, in this co- in this case, it's good reason, though, because you're not going to find you know two better games throughout the state of Indiana than the two we just previously mentioned, one of which on this station tonight and the other will be housed in the Butler Bowl this evening. Well, the narrow focus we get accused of, I think, is uh, it's probably genuine, but it's also a yeah. reflection of the fact that the uh, Metropolitan Interscholastic Conference, uh, formerly in, in its in- incarnation with all those schools, won t- championship after championship after championship, and so uh, it's understandable. But uh, there are there are great games. I mean, 
Uh, if you think, I think the Westfield Franklin Central game is is a tremendous game. Uh, I, mean, I think it's a really really good game. Um, you know, Westfield continuing to play better. Franklin Central starting to put some things together. Carmel LC is a good matchup. Um, so why not? Why not like those games and um, East Central Ron Colley, even though Ron Colley is struggling uh, according to their standards. East Central number one. It's a great way to make a statement if you're on Collie. That's a big matchup on the south side of town tonight. That's that's an important game for both of those teams, quite frankly. Yeah, you're talking about a, a game with uh, unbeatens and and on the other side teams that are still searching. And you know, maybe maybe not. You find it right. Ron Collie certainly is a team at three and five has been searching to get eight and zero East Central, but Wrights down in Evansville is another two, which normally modern day brings a lot greater of a record in in that final regular season Friday night. But at two and six, modern day is also a team that's been searching the entire year, and they as well get an unbeaten team in rights this evening. Well, modern day's record uh, obviously is what it is. They play a very, very difficult schedule. Um, I mean, they are – Mike Gable is probably – He's already a Hall of Famer, and he's a phenomenal coach. He's won multiple championships in football, multiple championships in wrestling. Uh, Paul Condry likes to refer to him as the Lord of the Rings. And so you, you never discount them. You never discount them on the matchup between Wrights and Modern Day. It's one of the more storied uh, uh, rivalries in the state. And um, But it's Wrights is good for a reason. They're number one for a reason, and uh, Modern Day is going to have to clearly elevate its play to get there. And so it's, that's one of the better games around the state without question. Hey, I do want to mention this. There are a couple in this area are seven and one in four a once being Kokomo and, and so much is made about the basketball program and so much is made about the soccer program that has the basketball superstars a part of it too. Yeah, not a lot of conversation about Kokomo being seven and one in football. That's a tremendous story. And you get Greenfield central at seven and one and clearly They've had an outstanding regular season today. I mean, they really have. And, and the thing about them is that conference is good. They play in. You talk about the Kokomo story. I mean, it's a, it's a great story, quite frankly. Um, Brett Colby, uh, his dad, you know, he and his dad have done a lot of things. And so, you know, the Colbys have turned that program around. Uh, they've beaten some solid teams. Uh, they are very, very skilled uh, offensively score a lot of points and so yeah what's not to like um Kokomo's playing Lafayette Jeff tonight so this will be a game where the ball is going to be in the air quite frankly Greenfield Central uh has probably had the best season in this area that people don't talk about including us uh, enough because they've done it they're on a they're on a run right now with great talented athletes basketball's good football's good you know these things come in cycles and they're in, in one right now so they're extremely competitive and that is a that'll be a tremendous ball game. Hey, Bob Lovell joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The final regular season Friday night in high school football. Bob's talking about it has all you need to know coming up later on tonight and also tomorrow night on Indiana Sports Talk. In 3A, all the conversation basically has centered around Chittard, 8-0, and it should. We've talked about Hanover Central uh, from the northwest up in the armpit right. there at 8-0 as well. 
Um, but one team we haven't talked too much about is that of Hamilton Heights. Hamilton Heights, 8-0, eighth ranked in 3A. I, I don't want to – it almost sounds like a backhanded compliment if I say, hey, it sounds like that they're sneaking up on people late in the season. <laughs> but really, that's, that's the way that I think it seems with this team right now at 8-0. They're not sneaking up on anybody because everyone knows you can't score against them. They had her five – and earlier in the season, until last week, I think it was, had they shut out opponents five straight weeks. You can't get in the end zone against them. They're they're that good. Uh, John Kirshner, obviously the Kirshner name, uh, one of the royal families of football in our state. Dad Mike is the coach at Warren. Everybody understands it, but John has done a fantastic job. And, and you just knowing that when you go out there, that teams can't get on the board it has to give you a, if you can get a score early on. Uh, they're very, very difficult. And so hardest thing about playing them is you got to find a way to get in the end zone, and very few teams have been able to figure that out. Oh, they've been uh, so good. I don't know how much, if at all, we've really talked about them. We probably should because they have been uh, outstanding so far this year. Bob Lovell is with us. Triton Central at 7-1 and one in 2A. Litton stocked at the top two uh, A right now, number one at seven and one, and then you get uh, Lures at six and two, always there. Brownstown Central having a strong football season at seven and one as well. Uh, a, a lot of even kind of level teams as it looks in two way, Bob. John, if you think back when we started talking in football season, we said that uh, this was a year where each one of the classes didn't seem to have a clear cut uh, favorite, other than maybe Lutheran in, in single A. They've won it the last two years we talked about balance and and now here we are last game of the regular season talking about balance and and it's worked out that way there, there have been some surprise teams like a, a greenfield central i suppose or uh they expected to be good but for the most part some of the traditional schools uh have had a little bit of difficulty which sometimes happens when you get changes in personnel but all in all, I think it's been a tremendously competitive regular season, which clearly bodes well for what the tournament will be. So Bob Lovell with us, finally Class A. Now, this is what's impressive to me. Obviously, Lutheran number one at 8-0, Adams Central 8-0, Carroll's 8-0, Providence from down south near the river 8-0, Park Tudor locally 8-0, South Putt 7-1, North White 8-0, and even the football factory that is Springs Valley, right, mm -hmm. down in southern Indiana, yeah. they oh, are 7-1 as well. I mean, you're talking about 1-8 through eight in Class A. That is an impressive reg of the season, to say the least, with these teams. It is. Uh, I mean, it really is. Also from the standpoint that they've all played teams of them in terms of classification. 1A schools are playing 2 and 3 and even sometimes 4A schools and still have those uh, very, very successful records. And I think it underscores how good those teams really are. And you're talking about teams in, in basketball hotbeds, John. You mentioned Springs Valley. When you mentioned Springs Valley, everybody thinks of Larry Bird and they think about basketball, but they have some really, really talented kids who also play on that basketball team. They were, they've been good the last two or three years, quite frankly, uh, not to the level they are now, but they're a very, very good program. To Bob Level of Indiana Sports Talk, he's got you tonight and tomorrow night of the next week. We will start talking about.
playoff action here in football <laughs> in the state of Indiana. Every Friday right here, Bob Levels, brought to you by your 14th Central Indiana Joe Childers run, CarX locations. All right, I've taken too much of your afternoon pool time away. Go ahead and get back out in there, get you a little bit of October sun, and, and get fired up for the next two nights of Indiana Sports Talk. It's going to be a blast, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, John. Have a great weekend. It's a Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk right there. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. CarX.com today. Did you know which player in this Jacksonville Colts matchup Sunday, according to PFF, leads the NFL in missed tackles forced with 27? I'm telling you what, we geek out and concentrate on absolutely everything here. Would you have any idea whom I'm talking about with that in mind? We'll come back with that. Justin Dunk is going to join us of the Believe Podcasting Network, who covers the Jaguars coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Spiro Ditas of CBS still to come. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is IU on the road at Michigan coming up tomorrow at noon. All that and more Right here. We're live at Walk-Ons downtown on a Bud Light Blue Friday. You can join us. Colts tickets to give away. Multi-pair while we're here. And great food at Walk-Ons downtown. Don't miss this opportunity, especially with the weather being so spectacular as it is. Quick break, and we shall return. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Let me tell you this. you got to get downtown, Walk-Ons, which is a fantastic place, and I will guarantee you, you will love the food here. The, the food is so incredibly unique. You will love it. Ice-cold Bud Light, as you can see before me right here, and Colts tickets to give away on this Bud Light Blue Friday. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, back with this top of the hour. We'll see Spiro Ditas of CBS may, around 4.30, maybe uh, push back a little bit later, but Spiro will join us if of course, he's on the call on CBS on Sunday of the Colts and the Jaguars game. Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com a little bit earlier from the podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. Justin Dunk is going to join us coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Now, listen, it probably won't matter whatsoever. But let me voice an opinion here or, or get the voice of opinion of others so if it, as Terry Stacy just talked about the weather being in Ann Arbor tomorrow, if it rain is the the rainfall um, at all beneficial to IU? Does it matter, Sam? What do you think? I, Does I, the weather matter? I personally am just not going to buy into the Hoosiers until there's some consistency. So no, I, I think there's no. Uh, maybe the game's a little bit well, less, you know, lower scoring, but the gap will still be wide. Well, and this is what I mean by I don't mean with a chance to win. I mean without getting run up on tomorrow. What do you think, Cam? Closer? No? Well, isn't there strength? Like, uh, I'm proud of you. Running yeah. football? Yeah. So it's, it's not going to help them. In the it seems like it's going to be ugly all the way around, yeah. doesn't it? It does. All right, Sam, I did want to give you a little bit of love. You're a big Philly fan, right? You love the Philadelphia Phillies, and they, for the second consecutive year, dispose of the Braves. The Braves, 14 games ahead in the National League East during the regular season and got bounced in a major way once again by your Phils last night. I'm going to tell you what. They are playing across the board some fantastic baseball right now. They are getting the pitching, too. They got the home run hitting, no doubt. The run scoring, but the pitching they're getting is is also pretty good. 
Yeah, Ranger Suarez always scares me as a starter because we don't usually get much length out of him. He's a you know a three four inning starting pitcher. Luckily enough, we got yeah. five out of him. And then of course you have that Nick Castellanos making history with back to back games with multiple home runs. I'm I'm just I'm elated. It's wild card Phillies or something else, man. And then the Matt Weiner interview, and I love Matt Weiner, by the way. I do. I love Matt Weiner. Um, and that, I guess that's just, you, you kind of have to know who you're talking to, and that's just kind of Nick Castellanos in a nutshell right there, is it not? With that response that he got when he, he didn't ask a question, and Nick said, is there a question here someplace, or where's the question, something like that. It was really awkward, but, and I, my, my friend Tucker Barnhart, who, who played a season with Nick, knows this too, and, and Nick is, is fun-loving and kind of creates purposely those awkward situations. Does he not, Sam? Yeah, well, I, I think it's one of those things where, it, at least with Nick Castellanos, it's awkward intentionally. I mean, if you've ever seen yeah. his response to if he, if he believes that Scooby-Doo is a superhero or not, that's the response he's had the most fun with in any interview he's ever done. So Castellanos specifically just really enjoys, I think, kind of playing with reporters. He does. It's Sam, a big Phillies fan. Of course, Phillies getting that matchup with the Diamondbacks of the NLCS. And then you got the Battle of the Lone Star State with the Astros and the Rangers. Uh, that series in the AL gets underway on Sunday. Uh, the first one in Game 1 for the NL Series is on Monday. Walk-ons downtown. Bud Light Blue Friday back with you. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the other side. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. I, don't miss a minute on this. Uh, either listening or join us down here at Walk-Ons. And a shout-out to Todd Johnson. I believe he's down at the Walk-Ons location in Clarksville. They just opened. We're on South Meridian right now on a Bud Light Blue Friday and having a blast. Cam's the on-site engineer. Olivia's taking care of things here back at the studio. Sam Fritz is in for the on-vacation on this Friday. James, the ride with JMV brought to you by Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses. Also, the lounge via YouTube Live, Win Schuler, Spreadable Cheeses, a variety of flavors. And I love the fact you guys send me this. And shout out to Devin. Devin actually logged on for the first time, created an X account so he can show me his devotion, the devotion he has for the greatest spreadable cheese in the history of spreadable cheese. Win Schuler, Spreadable Cheeses. So this one's for you. Devin, thank you very much for that, too. Winshuler Spreadable Cheese is available at Meyer and Kroger and, of course, online for recipes and more. I haven't really tried any recipe stuff. I just basically dip a cracker in it and go to work. You know what I mean? Meyer and Kroger locations, winshulers.com. Uh, for Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses. And, Devin, thank you very much. No Braden Smith coming up on Sunday. Still not figured out whether or not Anthony Richardson is going to have surgery. Still waiting on um, Bernard Ryman and Quiddy Pay. Kind of waiting on Mo Cox. That doesn't look as good. Buckner, Stewart set out practice today. They should be good to go. Ryan Kelly set out practice today. He should be good to go. So you're up to date on that. And joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN Radio, he is our friend Mike Wells. Hey, Mike, do you ever uh, get um, you ever get kind of teary-eyed and wish you could go back and talk about the injuries that all of a sudden pop up and those that are listed as out on a Colts Friday as you have so much in the past? Oh, my goodness. Put it like this. So, what was the day of, uh, what was it? 
it was Anthony Richardson news. Oh, the Jonathan Taylor contract or yeah. the JT, or the Richardson injury. What it was, whatever happened early. Oh, it was Ford's report on uh, Monday morning about Richardson and the shoulder. So, you know, I'm still in the group text with our good friend, Stephen Holder, Zach Kiefer, Joel Erickson, Kevin Bowen, Mike Chappell. And it was 9.30 in the morning, and they were talking about how things got started early in the morning. I said, fellas, I'm not trying to rub it in your face or anything, but I'm I'm out to breakfast right now. I've already planned my week at IU school-wise, and I'm going to hit some golf balls. You know what yeah. Holder responded, man? He called me an a-hole, man. He called <laughs> Stephen Holder. He called me an a-hole. And said, "You can have your job, your old job back anytime you want." I said, "Nah, that's okay. I'll pass off it." So if I if I didn't if I don't miss those days, I definitely don't miss the Friday injury reports where a number of key players are ruled out of the game or questionable, and all of a sudden you're doing some, you're doing more work than you need to on a Friday afternoon. Probably the last nice weather day in uh, that we'll have in a while. You don't want to be dealing with that. So, hypothetically speaking, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins us. If you were still working at ESPN and you were at a Layla basketball game on a Saturday morning, and much like I think Stephen and then maybe even Mike Chappell got that Jim Irsay call on Saturday morning, would you have taken the Jim Irsay call or would you have uh, kind of stiff-armed that and waited until Layla completed her basketball game? What would you have done? Listen, I, I love I love my baby girl. I love her a lot, but uh, that paycheck that paycheck um, is very nice. I'm getting the money, yeah. and I'm going to go to a quiet room in the gym, talk to Ursay, and I'm politely ask Mr. Ursay, "Hey, we know you're long winded, but can we shorten the quotes up a little bit? And uh, I got to get back to the game." So I'd have taken Ursay's call. Which, by the way, talking about Layla. And basketball. I have yeah. some breaking news. I have some breaking news for you. Oh no! Is it good or bad? Oh, it's great. It is great news. Awesome. Yes. Jan- Sir, put this on your calendar. January twenty-second. Oh, no. um, Center Grove. What is it? Center Grove Central. Yes. It, yes. January twenty-second. Center Grove Central. Brownsburg West Middle School at Center Grove Central Middle School. Well, oh really? J and V in the building together. We are gonna hoop. We're gonna be. We're gonna be. Uh, we'll have Layla to cheer on. We we'll have Laney to cheer on. Kemper to cheer on. Cheer on. Uh, we'll Haley to cheer on. We are. We are going. Hey, they might have to kick yeah. us out the gym that night. They got to kick us out the gym Not, that night. Trust me, Layla show. She goes. Oh my God! They got the AD pulled it off. Travis Smith pulled it off. January twenty second. Really now? See, nobody told me that. I don't know. If, uh, I guess I'm. I guess I'm the. I'm the last person on the uh, the uh, coaching team to learn this stuff. I didn't know that. That's that's cool though. I. Well, now would you guys like me if I uh, did the uh, Lagodi Jack Butcher back in the day holding the ball offense? Would you guys like that? Oh hell! Hey, oh wait, wait. So you, you're going to be the assistant coach throughout the entire middle school season? Well, it just depends. These things are on Sunday, which kind of hoses me a lot. I initially thought they were on Saturday. And I just don't want to be the coach that is kind of half-assed there and not, right? I want to be there the entire time. But here's what's funny about the holding the ball thing. I, our girls couldn't hold the ball for five minutes, I don't think, without turning it over. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they probably would end up turning it over pretty quick. But, uh, 
Yeah, the Jack Butcher offense. And I know that's that's the name because you're not originally from Indiana. You don't know high school-wise. But uh, he had an incredibly storied career of winning games at Ligoti. And uh, they had a very deliberate offense with a lot of offshoots from that with coaches in southern Indiana that would hold the ball for entire quarters. Seriously. Oh, my God. I, and listen, I don't think that guy <laughs> in the stands. You've seen me. I'm a, I'm a quiet, cheer for both teams kind of dad here in the stands. Me too. I mean, I'll, be, I'll be yelling, acting a ass. In the <laughs> if, somebody, if, somebody, if somebody did that, man. Hey, you know, it, it, it's funny. We're talking about acting an ass. I've, had some, so I've seen a lot of tweets. Some tweeted at me this week. Talking about if Gardner Minshew does well while Anthony Richardson yeah. is out that he should continue to be the starter when Richardson goes back. Oh, there's no – no, I say, I, say, I say no. That's That would be, Mike, a tough decision because considering the expectations this team had and where the expectations would be if there was a first-place run up until Richardson's return, but I still say the choice is going back to Richardson when he's healthy. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, am all, I am all about – Richardson, no matter no matter what the situation is, I am all about Richardson and getting them back out there because I, I and this is what I've told people when they've asked me. I'm like, this is all about Richardson is a long term guy. Yes, it'd be it would be great if Gardner Mitchell had a hell of a hell of a run, especially on Sunday against his former team of Jacksonville. Goes down there and beats the Golden Boy Trevor Lawrence and the Jacks. But big picture, this is this is Anthony Richardson's team and not playing him when healthy, and, and, you know, you face a significant risk of stunting his growth. Yeah, and he, he should just be out there anyway. I, I would agree with you on that. I, You know, it's funny. I guess it's tough to really make that call because to us right now it seems cut and dry. But, again, with whatever level in which they're playing, it may not be like that. And this is a pipe dream, right? I mean, it's logically reasonably not going to happen. But if it were to happen, it'd be dependent upon probably as well exactly what this team is doing and what they're doing. So according to this team, so unusually awesome um, with Gardner Minshew under center. But I, I could not, I really couldn't find a scenario, Mike, where, they would decide to go ahead and not go back to Anthony Richardson, regardless of what takes place here. No, you're right. Hey, Layla, I just saw JMV by January 22nd, 2024. The Cinderella game, you told me about fool. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, do, yeah. did you do that? Did you do that, or did your guy at uh, Brownsburg do it? Um, the guy at Brownsburg, the AD, the, uh, the, the middle school uh, that Layla goes to, the AD there, Travis Smith, he pulled it off for us. Uh, the, I don't know what they're. He, he he listens to our he listens to our he listens to my segment when I'm on with you, man. He, well, he listens to your show all the time, you. but he is he is all about that. I don't know if the Center Grove people do, because I think we got to practice on a half court in Center Grove. In Center Grove, they got eight thousand gymnasiums, right? What the hell are we doing practicing on a half court? I mean, we should yeah, be I mean, able to practice with anybody that wants to practice. They have so many gyms down there. It looks like Center Grove University half the time. So I don't know. I get more love in Brownsburg. And, hell, I got thrown out of your gym once upon a time. I get more love over there than I do yes, down at Center Grove. What the hell's happening here? You guys need to go ahead and move up to this. You skip over and run Kyle and just move on up to the bird, man. 
Oh, man. I can't wait, though. That will be fun, though. I just can't wait to see the girl. The girl's back oh, involved man. right there. So, hey, um, three and two right Three and two right now, Mike, of the Colts. Um, uh, are you surprised with the level of play that we've seen so far? I guess if you are, where would the largest surprise, what are you most surprised about seeing to this point of this three and two start for the Colts? You know what? I, I'm Honestly, the running game. I, considering what, what um, how, how, I don't want to say bad, but how, you know, how much the O-line struggled last year and even this year, I mean, they're dealing with injuries and stuff, and they're still finding ways to run run the ball well. I, I, I Stephen Holder had a hell of a tweet earlier this week. He goes, "Hey, this is I'm having flashbacks to when the Colts really run the, ran the ball well." I think that, and I think Z- Zaire Franklin is the face of that Colts defense now. What, did you ever think there would be a point where Shaq Leonard will be replaced as the face of the Colts defense? Zaire has leapfrogged Shaq. He has leapfrogged Kenny Moore, the fourth Buckner. And, I mean, he's putting up numbers that are backing up his, you know, uh, the, the notoriety that he's getting out of people. So, I think that – I think those those two, the running game and what Zaire is able to do this year. And I, I'm just impressed with Shane Sykin as the head coach. Nobody's going to call a perfect game. I know people say, well, he's made some questionable calls. Find me a head coach who does not screw up with play calling or a coaching staff in general who does not screw up. It happens. I just feel like the la- the lack of talent the Colts have – they are being competitive in games. I, I don't think he just. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I three, Go ahead. Three, three, three and three and two right now. I don't think anybody envisioned them being three and two um, after five games in the regular season. He just seems like he has more. And let's just combine. You could combine, you know, the Reich era with the Pagano era. Does he not just seem like he has more of a firm grasp on things that are going on coaching wise with his team? And even so early, the decisions that are being made, and and I guess it's because we've seen the body of work with both Pagano in the past and Reich in the past. But to me, it seems like no contest here. He just seems like a 180 compared to both of those past head coaches, and it's a 180 with a good feeling for most Colts fans out there. I mean, listen, if you're a Colts fan, you got to say, damn. Chris Ballard and Jim Mercy did a hell of a job in finding their head coach. They found they found a legit coach. They found somebody. I mean, he is night and day ahead of Chuck Pagano and Frank Wright. And you know what he's able not only from what he's able to do on the football field, but it's clear he's got he's got the command of that locker room and the players respect the hell out of him and stuff. So it's not just simply coming up with you know schemes to, uh, to get things done. He's he's hitting all the right notes off of things. Hey, uh, Mike Wells, long-time listener, first-time question asker. Uh, oh, what's up, man? It's Hagen. I was waiting what's for you up, to man? recognize my voice. You just sat there like I was some weirdo calling in. Um, hey, first of all, hey, we, we've been on the air for 13 minutes, and this is the this is long as you've ever been quiet. Yeah, you, with, dude, with, he just got here, I man. Just, I just he just got walked here. up. <laughs> I, um, you know, since I go to work at 2.30 and get off at midnight, I forget how, like, real-life people deal with traffic, and so – the time I allotted to get here did not work when I saw what it's like coming downtown. But J- John and I were talking about this uh, the other night on this on the TV show about how the Colts literally could be five and zero right now. And, and given what you said about the talent and the injuries and the things that Steichen, I mean, we, we heard this guy's all about ball. He lives ball, and, and you can tell 
while not perfect, he has really done well in managing some of these in-game situations where a first-time head coach sometimes has some real struggles. No, no, he has, and, and that's the thing. And first of all, it's Friday. Your ass don't work on Friday anywhere, so you ain't got nowhere to go, Tommy from Martin, okay? He's, he's right about that. You don't work on Friday. I know, but I'm you saying know. I'm not used to driving in uh, real-life conditions oh, okay. is what I'm saying. I not that you. I was at work, just that I don't – I. Hey, first of all – Go ahead, Wells. And you're, you're actually in studio. Are you in studio? No, we're at walk-ons downtown. I'm, Thanks I'm, for listening drinking, to the show, Wells. I'm drinking Bud Light right now. So okay, I'm, well, I'm halfway home to being hammered while you're on here with me. <laughs> hey, hey, I knew there had to be a catch because there's no way in the world Hagen is coming in the studio for the hell of it on his day off. Well, that's why that's why I love having you at four because if I talked about CG by the time five o'clock rolls around, and then I'd be really in trouble with the loose lips, well, sink ships. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, Laney Laney might be kicked out of Center Grove School District if, if I talk to you in the five o'clock hour. They they be hey, they be calling the Ron, they be calling Ron Colley and tell Ron Colley oh. that hey, we will pay Laney's tuition if you take her. Yes, I yeah. So I'm, I always your four o'clock hour is the, uh, the the perfect time on a Friday, but uh, that's 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 uh, that's where we have. It. But Hagen just walked up. I walked oh, so up Hagen, to walk hey, on. What was what was your what was your question again, Hagen? Let me get back to you. My, my, my point bad, my, my point was uh, a lot of times when you see a coordinator make that leap to head coach, and you're like, wow, there, there's some real growing pains. But I haven't really seen a moment where you're like, oh man, that burned him. In fact. He's been tricking coaches into having to burn timeouts. He's been making great calls. And regardless of who's lining up under center, he knows his personnel, be it Richardson or obviously Minshew. And I've just been impressed with how he handles himself, you know, with the media, with the scheduling, and especially on game day because that's something we had talked about. But there's things you don't realize until you don't realize them when you're a head coach for the first time. Essentially, what you just said, uh, what you just said in a nutshell, Hagen, is the Colts have a mature head coach. They have a very mature head coach. That's that's what you have out there. So they um, that's what you like to see. And I like that it doesn't matter if it's Richardson or Minshew as the quarterback. He's he's catering things around who's ever at the thing. I mean, so uh, who's playing the position? That's what you like to see. And I, I, again, I'm going to come. You know, I know people like to kill um, Chris Ballard, but what he's able to, what he's what he did with this hire. They should be thanking him. And the, the, the question mark of saying, okay, you know, uh, we I think we've already agreed that no matter what happens, Ballard's here uh, at least next year. There shouldn't be any questioning on, okay, is Ballard the right guy to be the head coach of this team? I mean, excuse me, the general manager of this team. He's made it worse. What he did with this hire. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us. We're live at Walk-Ons today. Bud Light Blue Friday, Chris Hagan of Fox 59, and I'm JMV. I did want to talk a little Pacers with you because 33 is coming on the show next week, back by popular demand, and I've mentioned this. So in the past two years, they've gone from 25 to 35, and my expectation is 45. However, win total-wise this season, is that, in your estimation, too much? Do I have too much of a positive belief in win total and what this Pacer team can logically do this year? What do you think? Now, you said they had 35 wins last year? 35 last year. 10 more is what I said this year, although I think Vegas does not believe that, and a lot of people around here believe I'm a little bit too robust. Maybe around 42, 43 is what some said. I don't know. Man, hey, I, I listen, Jay. You're my dude. I love you, brother, man. You're talking about a 10-game <laughs> no. leap is pretty substantial. 
I mean, we're not talking about going from five wins to 15 wins. I mean, I, I can see six, seven-game improvement, but I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope you're right. I hope it is 45 victories for, for the Pacers because they're definitely in the playoffs, and we're not, we're not, we're, we're not, not dealing with any type of play-in type situation. So it, it works out perfectly, as I think. And I think, we again, I'm tired of this old the treading water stuff out of the Pacers and saying, okay, at some point they're going to turn the quarter. No, it, it's time. They they have they have all the pieces to be able to, to be able to make things happen. To be able to take, it's not about okay, they're a piece or two away. They're they're ready to do it now. And I think the main thing, Wells, is you have a roster that believes that you don't have a, a you know a, an inexperienced young roster. Albeit you have young guys, but they they've got guys that have played a lot. You look for Matherin to take another step. Uh, it all obviously it all goes around to Halliburton being healthy. That was a a setback last year, but I mean, last year their over under on win totals was like twenty three, and they hit that about. Hey, there goes Sonny right there. I know that dude. Uh, so it Sonny is, Crockett from Miami Vice. Yeah, it's Sonny Crockett. Sonny Bono, uh, who's no longer with us. You you, <laughs> you, you want to have? Well, what I'm trying to say is, it's important. <laughs> to, I know every team before the start of the year they're like they're undefeated, but this team believes, and and they're not saying well maybe they're saying it's time to be in the playoffs. It's not time to kind of be. Oh well, maybe we'll get a play-in game and be happy with that. So I'm with John. I'm I'm setting that bar high, and I think that's the way it is in that clubhouse as well. Hey, so you think they're they're gonna take a ten-game lead, Lee Pagan? Oh yeah, yeah. I think they're at least a 500 ball club this year. Well, listen, hey, so 500 puts them at my my six or seven more wins. So right, right. Def, definitely a 500, definitely a 500 team. So again, I hope it's gonna be the case. Um, I I guarantee you, I can guarantee you this, fellas. There's gonna be a lot of Milwaukee Bucks jerseys up in the field house when Giannis and Dame Lillard come to town. There's gonna, to well, be, gonna you, be like old. It's gonna be old school, like when uh, the Lakers and Derrick, or when when the Bulls with Derrick Rose came to town. They're gonna to fill the house with that opposing team. Well, Wells, going back to what you said about making that leap, is that you've covered teams. Streaks are part of any sport. You can't have, you can't have a. They've lost 10 of 12. They've lost, you know, 13 out of 15. You, you can have a hiccup where you drop maybe four out of five. But a, a bad two-week stretch in the NBA can just really torpedo the whole season. No, it, it can. I mean, listen, we, hey, we got spoiled by what they did um, early in the season last year. I love it. I, I, hope, I hope they get back to what they were doing before because, um, you know, and we, we've talked in the past. We saw how Paul George – I mean, sure, we'll even go further back. Jermaine O'Neal. Paul George, Victor Oladipo were supposed to be the guys, and then they just basically wanted their way out. I have not heard one bad thing about Tyrese Halliburton. And even, you know, I still stay in touch with um, Kevin Pritchard and all those guys. I mean, the belief that they have and what they have in this roster, I think is going to be so huge for this franchise. And it's going to be comp- it'll be competitive in the East, but they have the tools to surprise a lot of teams. I mean, we know those boys down in South Florida, they're still heartbroken about not being able to get Dame Lillard and stuff. So, you know, they, they, they can definitely put themselves in the mix to be a four or five seed in the East, in my opinion. It is going to be a big Lego season for 33, too. Miles, big time Lego season, Mike. Can't wait. Cannot wait for it. So, hey. <laughs> Tell Layla I said hello, and uh, thank your AD for getting us uh, together on this schedule. And I love it when I find out from your AD before I find out from ours. That's always good. 
I got you, brother. Hey, tell my girl Lanny I said hello. Have a great yes. weekend. Hagen. Yo. They love y'all, fellas. Talk to you next week. Bye. Yeah. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. You doing all right? Yeah, I just like how I was like, hey, uh, yeah. long-time listener, and he just starts listening to me. Is that like, CH on your shirt supposed to be like Chris Hagen? You know, it's not. It's a, a superhero from Mexico, and I was in Mexico a couple of years ago, oh. and this, this girl was wearing a shirt like this, and I was like, I have a fan club in Mexico? No, I do not. What's the, a, who's the superhero? Uh, I don't know how to say it, but you know how like Adam West was like a campy superhero sure. with Batman? This was a similar show in, in ah. Mexico. And this was his uh, superhero logo, but it looks like it's a Chris Hagen shirt, so I got it. That's Hagen. He's here, too. Spiro Dinas of CBS. A little bit later on, too. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosier, is going to be here uh, up in Ann Arbor a little bit later on, too. And uh, we got a lot more for you. Again, Bud Light Blue Friday is at Walk-Ons downtown. We'd love to see you. Colts tickets to give away and great food. And ice cold Bud Light right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Indy with some sunshine walk-ons on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Thank you so much for joining us. Chris Hagen of Fox 59 is with me. I'm JMV. Still more to come. What's up, man? Good to see you, Q. How are you doing? Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers coming up. IU Michigan coming up tomorrow. Uh, big week, too. Derek Brooks was on the show yesterday. Derek Brooks has got ownership in this place at walk-ons, too, as does Booger McFarland and Drew Brees and our friend Todd Johnson. We talked to Derek on the show yesterday. Uh, Kenny Moore of the Colts earlier this week. Ian Rappaport and Ian Eagle all on the show podcast this week. And you can find that at 107.5thefan.com. Meantime, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I'm assuming this is a lucky break. It worked last week. We'll see if it can work again on Sunday. Venues change for the CBS broadcast led by Spiro Ditas coming up with the Colts in Jacksonville on Sunday. And Spiro's again joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What would you make of, and I know that you're going to have a different set of circumstances all together under center with uh, Gardner Minshew, but what did you think of that Colts team that you saw on Sunday defeat Tennessee, Spiro? I think we saw the value of having a, a number two quarterback, John, that could step in and keep a contending team viable. You know, it's such a, it's such a luxury to have someone like that as your backup because as we've seen in this league every year uh, and with every team, at some point, no matter how good your starter is, at some point your number two is going to have to have to get in there. And, you know, I think Gardner Minshew is at a place in his career where certainly he still wants to be a starter. You know, I think in the back of his mind, he hopes that he'll get another chance. But he understands that, that fit and chemistry, uh, coaching staff, all of those things matter. And I think he's in a really good place right now. I think it's a, it's a fun storyline this week with him coming back down here to Jacksonville where, you know, Minshew Mania and that whole, all that stuff started a couple of years ago. It was so fun to watch. But to have a guy who could come in, because when Anthony Richardson got hurt last week, I mean, you could feel it in that building. You could almost hear the gasps yeah. in Lucas Oil. And so to recover from that psychologically so quickly uh, in the same game, I think is just a testament to who he is as a player. Now, who knows? In this league, if, if you're you're a backup, sometimes you have that initial burst of success, and then defenses kind of catch up. They they get their tape on you and they make their adjustments. But I think at this point, we all know who Gardner Minshew is. I think he's a really really good number two quarterback, and 
I think depending on how long Richardson's going to be out, I just feel like they're confident that he can keep them afloat and keep them in contention. He is uh, Spiroditas on the call for CBS coming up on Sunday with the Colts and Jaguars with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You brought up a great point, and that's something I brought up earlier this week. I thought regardless of the Tennessee team that we saw, the record of Tennessee, all of that in mind, I thought that was a fantastic win for the Colts given all the circumstances. They lost seven consecutive at home in that building, five straight mm-hmm. to the Titans. Their owner, Jim Irsay, was sick and tired of being out tough by Mike Vrabel-led teams. And then you, you sprinkle in the loss of your quarterback. And with that in mind, the fashion in which they took care of business was, for me, watching this team, one of their better wins I've seen in a while. Yeah, it, it's, it was it was impressive. You know, it really was. Uh, it, again, we were in that building, John, multiple times last year. I think we had three Colts games, and and we we touched on this last week when we spoke. The difference in in terms of the vibe and and the confidence. I mean, it was such a mess last year. Then um, you know, with how things ended with Frank in, in November. I mean, it was just it went it just got wacky. And and guys told. I mean, we spoke with Ryan Kelly last week. Um, you know, we spoke with numerous guys. Julian Blackman, he says, he said that we don't win this game last year. I mean, point blank. And, and again, I just think it's, it's, it shows it, – it's a really good encouraging marker for fans of the team that you can endure a loss like that, losing your, you know, your stud 21-year-old rookie quarterback on a day that Jonathan Taylor's coming back. I mean, the, the, the city's excited. Everyone's excited. Then he goes down. And it looked like a significant injury. And, and when that happens, I've seen it so many times where teams get deflated to a point where they just can't recover psychologically. So, uh, you know, testament to Shane Steichen, uh, who's really changed the dynamic in that building, that, that they can take something on the chin like that and turn around and, and get themselves together mentally and go out and win a game. Hey, Sparrow, this is Chris. I do stuff with uh, CBS4 here in Indy. i just curious about – here locally, we've realized for a while how good Zaire Franklin is. Uh, on the national scale, do you think he's starting to get the due he deserves for what kind of playmaker he is on defense and leading uh, the NFL in tackles once again? Crazy story, right? I mean, to answer your question, probably not. And if it is, it's happening way slower than it should. Um, you know, he's just another example of – you just wonder sometimes. We, we – we study these games every week and you study hundreds and hundreds of players. And you just wonder sometimes how certain guys slip through the cracks. And he is, he is that he's just a prime example. You just wonder how in the world was this guy a seventh round pick? And then look, there, there's always extenuating circumstances where a guy's draft status gets affected, you know, injuries and off the field stuff. Um, it's just, it's wild to see someone go from seventh round pick basically special teams guy to starter to pretty successful starter and and a guy now who's going to probably lead the league in tackles in consecutive years and is on a record-setting pace I think he's got more tackles through five games in in the NFL of any player in like 13 years or 18 years something crazy like that I think Zach Thomas in 05 so what he's doing I think is a testament to all those low draft, those, those late round guys who play with a chip on their soldier. Um, and give me that guy over the blue chip high draft pick who maybe is not as hungry 
any day of the week. I mean, I love everything about Zaire, love everything he stands for. And he's, he's, he's also, you know, the other thing, guys, with, with Shaq Leonard, I think with his health, I think he's stepped into a void that they really need filled and needed filled. And so it's happened at a really opportune time for the franchise as they continue to try to get Shaq back to, to where he's been. He is Spiroditas. He's on the call for CBS on Sunday with the Colts and the Jaguars, week number six of the NFL. I um, Obviously, we talked last Friday, and uh, yet anything concrete regarding Jonathan Taylor had not happened. It did on Saturday. Taylor played 10 snaps on Sunday, but the story was Zach Moss. I mean, 160-plus and two touchdowns on the ground, very impressive. But with that in mind, how would you expect they utilize on Sunday even more Jonathan Taylor after that 10-snap game that they had in the win over Tennessee on Sunday? Well, I think the fact that, that Zach is playing at such a high level, it just makes it easier now and less pressure on Jonathan and, and Shane Steichen, for that matter, to, to try to incorporate him into this offense maybe quicker than, than is natural. Because I just think we have to keep reminding ourselves, guys, this guy who hasn't played a game since, you know, hadn't played a game since December 17th of last year. So you're basically talking about 10 months. I mean, that to expect him to come in, had only really gotten one full day of practice before that game last week, to expect him to come in here and, and play 15, 20 snaps was, was probably not realistic. And, and even this week, I, I wouldn't expect that number to really shoot up a ton. I mean, I just think they're going to be really smart about things. I think Zach Moss, like having a Gardner Minshew, is a luxury at that position. And, you know, you had to be wondering, you know, in Jim watching Zach Moss last week, he said, man, I, why did I just pay Jonathan Taylor if I got this guy as my number two? It kind of, you know, it reminds you sometimes why the running back market was so depressed because there's so many talented running backs in this league. I mean, these guys are – they're just a different breed with how good they are. And, and you know, good for Zach Moss. He, he took advantage of an opportunity. He's been an absolute godsend for the team. And now you go from having Deion Jackson as your starter week one to having this embarrassment of riches with, with Zach Moss, who's playing the best football of his career. And, and, oh, by the way, here comes Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, is otherworldly in terms of his skill level when he's, when he's healthy and at full strength. So I think just it's a, just another weapon – to give a guy like Shane Steichen and guys like him, play callers like him, guys who are so shrewd, so smart, the more pieces you give them, the, the higher the potential, I think, with this offense. Yes, Barrow, I joked in the press box last week that after that long run, he came to the sideline, Moss, and said, where's my $42 million? So it yeah, is, exactly. it's, it's crazy how yeah. you get Taylor back and he's <laughs> the guy making the plays. You guys do such a great job when we watch the broadcast as far as storylines and you and the producers get, getting behind the scenes on some of the stories and relaying those to the viewers. Do you pay much credence or do you even bring this up? The fact that the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville in almost, you know, a decade. It's, it's been 2014 since they won down there. I know the players, the rosters change and they get tired of hearing things like that. But is that something you bring up? Because they say they don't pay attention to outside noise, but everybody in that locker room this week was, was aware of the fact they haven't won down there in so long. Yeah, I think it, it just depends on what it is. I mean, I'm not a big statistical guy. I mean, sometimes, you know, we always, we've got researchers who do such a great job and they dig up stuff that you just, teams change. It's just, it doesn't apply anymore. But this, this kind of does. And I, I think it does because I just, I think back to two years ago, I think it was 21, where 
you know, Indy came down here with Carson Wentz, and I think it was a win and, and you're in game, and, and they lost to a Jacksonville team that was not very good. So, and there's still guys on the roster that were on that team. So I think it does apply here. Obviously, every season takes on its own life, but it's in the back of your mind. It wasn't something that we're, we're going to ask them, I don't think, tomorrow, just because these guys are so locked in. And, you know, the young generation now, their, their attention spans are, are short as it is. I mean, I, I doubt any of these guys are thinking about what happened last year or last time they were here or 2021 for those that were on the team. Uh, we'll certainly talk about it. It's, it's a storyline for us. Um, and I appreciate what you said. Uh, it, there's, there's so many storylines that are, that are intriguing. And as a broadcaster, you just have to kind of pick and choose what you think is compelling for the audience and, and do the best job that you can. What's, what's crazy about that streak, though, is as you pointed out, that there have been some, some Colts playoff teams, some, some great Colts yeah. teams and garbage Jaguar teams that for, for whatever reason, you know, sometimes in sports you see these strange streaks. And, and back to that point I made is, you're, you're, you know, you're doing the play-by-play. You guys do a nice job of – you don't force-feed people the stories and the behind-the-scenes thing. You do a nice job of finding a place to get those in there. So I wanted to make sure I gave you kudos for that. And it, it is interesting to see, you know, what, in the course of a game, you're going through the play-by-play, but there are little moments, and it's, it's a fine art to slide those things in there. Well, I may, I may hire you to do my PR if you don't mind. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'm available. I'm available. <laughs> I appreciate it. What do you think, real quick, and not to put you on the spot here, but I, we're looking up right now in the on location, and they're showing the the double box of Kelsey and Taylor Swift. If you're working <laughs> a game with that, are you, are you just going to let the pictures speak for themselves, or how do you think this is being handled on these national broadcasts? You know, I, Mike Tirico and Al Michaels are are two of my heroes, my two of my broadcast heroes. But I did not envy them the last couple of weeks, and, and even <laughs> even Kevin Burkhardt, who I think the world of, he's he's one of the best guys in our business, obviously. But when you're in a position where you, you almost have to react to it, I, I don't know. I just I wouldn't find that enjoyable. I mean, I, I think it'd be fun, but it would wear off rather, wear off rather quickly. Uh, to me, I just, I just want to focus on the game. And, and thankfully, I, I do not think I will be getting many Kansas City Chiefs games for my crew. So <laughs> we won't have to deal with that, I don't, I don't think. It's uh, Spiro Dita. Say one final thing before I let you go. Uh, we haven't talked about this, but this is a mammoth October game within the AFC South for both of these yeah. teams Sunday. It's huge. I mean, I think it's the first time that these two teams have faced each other where they're both coming in with a winning record in like 10 years. Um, and it just it feels like because the AFC South is so wide open, Every game in this division is huge, and it's kind of fun. You know, my crew has kind of become the AFC South crew at CBS. So we're loving the fact that Indianapolis has improved. We're loving the fact that that the Houston Texans finally have a quarterback and, you know, finally have the looks of a team that are on the rise with the Miko Ryans and and obviously Jacksonville with what they did last year. So I I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're, we're looking forward to this game. Sometimes you say that as a broadcast and you don't mean it, but we're, we're genuinely looking forward to this game for the reasons you just said, because you know that at the end of the year, when they start stacking up the wins and losses, these are the games. This game Sunday are, are the games that are going to matter. And so we can't, we can't wait to get to Sunday at 1 o'clock. 
Well, you'll be watching him on CBS. Spiro Ditas has got the call, and this is a big one in the AFC South for the Colts and the Jaguars. One o'clock coming up on Sunday. Spiro's kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, back-to-back weeks, man. It's a pleasure. I thank you for coming on here, and here's uh, hoping that uh, the significance of the team stay together, and uh, you can join us even further down the road, Spiro. Thank you very much. My pleasure, John. I appreciate it. We'll be talking to you again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, have a great broadcast. Spiro Ditas is a great dude right there, Chris, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And to your point, the reason this game's so big, not only the winner sole possession to first, if the Colts lose this one, they've lost the tiebreaker. Yeah. they got to finish a game better than right. Jacksonville, and it'll be a game back already. So huge, huge implications. Today is Friday the 13th. You just now noticed that here at about yeah, 5 o'clock? I did. Not well done. Friday well done, the John. 13th. Is that meaningful for you at all? People our age, we remember when that would that would spook you out just based on the the series. But I don't think you know. I don't anticipate any knock on wood, any bad luck. Let's let's. Sure, what's your? Uh, I don't think that's well, maybe wood right here. So. Well, okay. Then. Yeah, well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. Nah, I was just thinking about that too. I, I, in in terms of the original, you know, the greatest, which I love, Friday the Thirteenth, the film from nineteen eighty. But it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit because this old grandma wearing a sweater was going around and offing all these kids, including bacon. Yeah, well, it's, that's when it started because when the original Halloween, when you look over the, the rail there and, and yeah. you know, Michael Myers is not dead, that's when every horror movie had to have, well, it's not over yet. You think this is over. Here comes the kid out of the, out of the lake there. Camp, uh, was that Crystal Lake? Camp Crystal Lake. And it also had the music like Halloween, kind yeah. of invented <laughs> that music. Yeah. <laughs> Tagging right there, doing some sound effects. Quick break, we'll come back. We got your chance at Colts tickets. I do not want you to go anywhere if you're listening, watching, and participating, but certainly if you have to go someplace, make it walk ons downtown with a great food. South Meridian and ice cold Bud Light on a Bud Light Blue Friday. We're back with you next. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Now, was this great, by the way, Friday the 13th, live in walk-ons, Bud Light Blue Friday downtown. Was this great because it told you that something was coming, or was it bad? Because it would take away a little bit of the suspense, because when this music started, much like in Halloween, in the background, you knew somebody was about ready to, to, uh, to bite it. I think the way it is now, when you go to these uh, horror movies, it's just jump scares. Like, I ought to know where something will happen yeah. real quick. But back then, the music, I, I equate that music to like you're going up the hill on the roller coaster, you know, and you then you get to the top and you get the drop. So when you'd hear that or hear the Michael Myers music, you'd be like, OK, that's getting you like, OK, something bad's about to happen. So you tense up and wait. And then there's the the moment of impact, if you will. I liked it. It was it was different at the time. And it wasn't like the typical music you had heard in in other movies like uh, suspense movies. It was just a great time to be going to movies and watching movies on HBO and Cinemax because oh, I love it. you could watch them over and over again and you would, uh, you would know something was coming. And then you can never recreate that first time you saw one of those movies and like, okay, he's, they got him. He's dead. No, he's not dead. Here he comes again. So um, there's actually a new movie out that kind of, uh, it's called uh, Totally, I think it's called Totally Dead. Totally, it's called Totally Killer. Yeah. It's on Prime right now. It came out last week and it has a, it's like Back to the Future meets uh meets a, a slasher movie okay so you got to see it it's, it's really good it'll it they do it pretty well too it's good stuff. my favorite of the series though is two i like two and yeah. that was that was you know jason Voorhees. he didn't get the hockey mask until three you didn't like jason goes to space or jason uh, goes to jason takes manhattan yeah. not really no 
Well, I like the when he I think just, I stopped at the final chapter. I just like that he defended his turf to begin with. It was he just did, like didn't just, he? just don't come yeah. here, okay? How hard is it not to come to Camp Crystal Lake? And how many idiots are going to continue to go there? Let me hold on a second. I can't see. I'm going to stand right in front of this bullseye on the archery range here. Surely nothing bad is going to happen to me. Hey, wait a minute. I can't see. Don't go to Haddonfield in, uh, on Halloween. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, we're going to go upstairs and have some he and Sheehan going on. All right. You know what's going to happen after that. Hey, Kevin Bacon, even though he got off in the original, he had some he and Sheehan and... He smoked a doob before he got off. So really, and he got he got trampled in Animal House. This guy, <laughs> he's been in every movie since the 1970s. It's been a but John, you know, uh, John Carpenter uh, ties to Bowling Green, Kentucky, where I used to work. Yeah. And so all those street names in Halloween are street names mm. from Bowling Green and little little towns, you know, Smiths Grove and things like that. Those are things that from his time in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. No, really, now yeah. that's good. And of course, you know that was a uh, William Shatner. Uh, Captain Kirk mask is what Michael Myers it was. was. It yeah. was made out of his face. They went and got yeah. it and they painted it up and they had they got like picked out some. Originally it was going to be a clown mask, and they went with no. Let's go with this one and they they spray painted it and cut cut the weird sideburns and there you have it. Friday the thirteenth and a couple of weeks away, obviously from Halloween. That's Chris Hagen of Fox fifty nine on the other side. Hopefully something Friday the thirteenth esque. On Saturday the 14th, which is also a film with Richard Benjamin, <laughs> tomorrow for IU in Michigan. I know, I know people are saying, what are you doing even bringing this up? Well, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, we'll bring it up with him coming up on the other side. We'll dive back into the matchup with the Colts and the Jaguars coming up this weekend as well with Justin Dunk, who's going to join us from the Believe Podcasting Network. That's in the 5 o'clock hour as well. It's a busy show. We've got tickets for you on a Bud Light Blue Friday and the great food downtown at Walk-On South Meridian I'd love to see you here. So join us. Up next, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. BT Dew is in the house. So's Mac, man. Mac is here as well. Bud Light Blue Friday, we find uh, ourselves downtown at Walk-Ons, which, by the way, has great southern slash Cajun food here. You'll love it, I promise. Walk-ons with a great menu and ice-cold Bud Light and your chance to win Colts tickets. Get down here and get signed up. And, I mean, do that as quickly as possible. Chris Hagan of Fox 59 is with us. You doing all right? Yeah. Um, I want to touch on a couple of things that you brought up earlier when like, I was driving in. Like a good touch? Or, about, uh, okay. about when, you know, athletes say, is there a question in there? Is that a question? I got two. Uh, Nick good, Castellanos. I got two good stories about being on the other side of that. Okay. We'll do that. Do is that Don later. ready, Sam? Don, oh, is, Don is always ready. Automotive Group Hotline. Once upon a time, about a month ago, we left him on hold too long when it was me and you and Kristen Neri. We don't want to do that right here because I know that he's he's just trying to get through it. You're in the state of Michigan. Are you in Ann Arbor, Don, right now? I'm in Ann Arbor at uh, oh, Crest uh, uh, Marriott in uh, Ypsilanti, which is overlooking a golf course. So I'm halfway in heaven. Really? God, Ypsilanti is such a toilet, much like the rest of that state. How do you stand it? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I'm looking at a golf course. I'm looking up my window and I'm watching people play golf. It's, there's nothing bad about it. <sighs> Man, well, I guess you're right about that. <laughs> Don, Don, do you have 10 million Marriott points? Is that Do you always stay in those properties when you travel? Well, 
sadly, uh, the university uh, books the hotels that they want to uh, want us to stay at. I don't get anything out of it whatsoever. I've never had. Uh, I don't have a single Marriott point to my name. Well, you gave them a, a free uh, plug there. They should at least give you a free breakfast tomorrow. Tell somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the chances of that are slim, and none of my TV doesn't work, so I'm not asking for anything. It <laughs> <laughs> no breakfast, and you know that. The kegger is not going to spring for anything either, so you're kind of hosed, Don. Crap. I'm definitely hosed. There's no question about it. I, I do. We have our the Ice Sports General Manager uh, Luke Reef or Luke Rife. My apology to Luke uh, is on this trip, so so maybe you'll buy me breakfast tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get to play a little golf last week, um, and now you guys are are back at it again. 11 a.m. Your coverage begins uh, downstairs, 93 WIBC, coming up tomorrow. It is uh, number two Michigan hosting IU, um, and I, I'm sure you've done all the research that is necessary. Uh, I, I, you, you just at this point, we'll, we'll take baby, baby steps on this. It, 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 keep things interesting, right? At the beginning, and then we'll see what happens the rest of the way. I mean, is that where you start in terms of looking, viewing this game tomorrow in Ann Arbor? Well, I, I, here's the thing from my perspective, John. My, my hope is that Indiana comes out after a bye week. Uh, I know they got two or three players maybe back this week. They didn't have the previous couple of weeks. I hope that's part of it. I hope the new offensive coordinator, Rod Carey, uh, presents a few things that maybe Michigan hasn't seen, and we get off to a really solid start tomorrow. I think that'll be the key to the ball game. And if you remember last year, Indiana actually led a couple of times in that yeah. contest against the Wolverines and actually played them tough through the third quarter. And then, of course, it fell in, as it much oftentimes does when it comes to Indiana and Michigan. Uh, in the fourth quarter, they end up with a couple of touchdowns that seal the game away. But but and, and I guess in this rivalry that Indiana's had over the last few years, and you could say this, the Michigan's won 26 of the last 27 meetings between these two teams, but the last time Indiana won was just 2020, and that was, of course, the COVID year, which Indiana knocked them off that particular season, which was really special in the sense that Indiana had won for a long time. So so this is, this is a, and, and here's the truth of the matter, John, right now, uh, you can't expect a lot different from what we're going to see from this Indiana football team, but perhaps the play calling changes a little bit, and that helps. And hopefully this team gets off to a solid start in the game and, and plays competitively throughout. That's that's what I'm looking for. I'm a realist, as you know, John. I'm not going to sit here and start talking upsets and all those kinds of things because this team is ranked number two in the country, and uh, their defense is as good as anybody's. In fact, they're leading the country in scoring defense right now. They're just uh, the teams have averaged about six and a half points a ball game against them so far in six games. So this is this is a game that Indiana just has to compete in, and 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 I hope could play them tough. Fish, it's always you know when you have a change at the top, say a head coach midseason, that's one thing. But I think it's even more interesting when you change a coordinator. And so I mean. You know, two weeks to prepare. You make the change pretty early off going into the bye. Uh, what could you do this deep into the season, though, when you start thinking about a new coordinator? I mean, is it the same plays? Are they just changing the, the play calls? Are there th- new packages installed? Well, what do you anticipate seeing different with Rod running the show? I, I know what Rod said in his press conference last Wednesday is this. Uh, I'm going to try and simplify this thing as best I can. Uh, get these guys to understand that repetitions is the key at this point. And we're going to do the things that we've had success at doing so far this year. When we played well, 
we're going to try to do those things more and more. We're going to try and do more of the, the positives and kind of leave the negatives on the sideline if we can. And, and that's what I'm anticipating. I think Rod will try to simplify it a little bit. You can't change the scheme at this point. This is a team that's based on uh, whatever scheme that uh, Walt Bell was working on at the beginning of the season. They're going to have to play that way. You can't learn a whole bunch of new plays in a short amount of time. So I guess the, the key here is what Rod said in his press conference. We're going to try and simplify it a little bit, maybe just take the things that we've been good at and what we've done and had success at and try to utilize those as much as we possibly can. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU Michigan, tomorrow 11 a.m. on 93 WIBC. Your coverage begins. What are some of the things you have seen offensively that, that Rod Carey has to be able to work with and play off of to try to create, you know, certainly um, a level of production from an offense that more times than not this season has struggled? Well, I, I think the key here is uh, is the quarterback. And Taven Jackson has had moments when he's really looked good this year. He's had other moments where he's not played as well. Um, but I don't think there's any question that he is the guy that will start in this ball game. I don't think there's any controversy at this point in the season. Uh, I think Taven will be in there until he proves he can't be the guy. And uh, I, I think he's a talented kid. I think right now the, the key is to keep it simple for him as well. Try to make uh, to allow him to do the things that he's best at and try to take away the things that he's not as good at right now. And, and as everybody knows, at the beginning of this season, we talked about it at nauseum. Two redshirt freshmen vying for the quarterback spot is not a good thing. It's just not because these are young guys. They haven't been through it. And even though they've played five or six games now at this point in the season, uh, they're still really young and inexperienced, and they're going to make some mistakes. So you've got to be able to overcome them. What I do hope to see is I hope to see this team run the football better than they have up to this point, because if they can't, then it's going to all be on the quarterback, and you know what teams are going to do. They're going to go after him like there's nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, they're literally going to try to make him make mistakes, and, and we've seen that that's uh, the case here in the last couple of ball games. Fish, I know you're laser-focused on, on what you have in front of you in, in the IU program. I'm just curious if you, if you pay attention to anything that Michael Penix Jr. is doing out there in Washington and, of course, some memorable moments uh, as a Hoosier, but now out there firmly in the Heisman race and, and got his team in the top ten with a huge game this weekend. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's no question this young man has flourished under Kalen DeBoer's uh, tutelage as the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach and now the head coach at Washington. Uh, when he's had Kalen DeBoer around him, he has just absolutely been special. There's no question about that. Um, he's a young man that struggled his last year here at Indiana, and he could not stay healthy in any of the seasons that he played for IU. He barely made it through half his ball games each of the three seasons that he was at Indiana. And, and that's just a shame in itself. And I understand the transition that he made to go someplace else, but joining Kalen DeBoer was really smart on his part because those two seemed to click together. Like uh, there's nothing, I mean, peanut butter and jelly. I mean, they're, they're, they're perfect <laughs> for one another basically. And, and honestly, I, I feel good for him in that sense. Uh, his final year here, just started out as a disaster. You remember in that opening game against Iowa with three interceptions. In fact, I think his first throw in the ball game was picked and went for a touchdown. So, uh, you know, those those are the negative things. Uh, the positives are that this young man now has got everybody excited about the possibility of a Heisman uh, Award. And and I, in fact, I saw 
just briefly today, I just turned the TV on when I got in my room, and there Pat McAfee's show is on, and he's got a Penix for Heisman uh, sweatshirt on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're sitting there going, well, everybody's in on the hype right now. No doubt about that. Don Fisher joins us. Don, could this be, might this be the best Michigan team that that you have called a game for IU um, as far as the Jim Harbaugh era is concerned? Is that fair to say at all at this point in the season? I, I you know, I haven't, I, we haven't played them yet. And I've seen very little of their actual play on the field at this point, but I would argue based on what they have done statistically at this point, it might be the best Michigan team we've seen in years. Uh, this is really a good football team. Harbaugh, of course, didn't even coach them the first three ball games, and they still destroyed everybody they played, and they've destroyed everybody they've played since that point. They're averaging, I don't know, 37 points a ball game, something like that at this juncture, and holding teams to six and a half points a contest. And Nebraska last week scored the most that anybody scored on them with their 10 points. And then, of course, they gave up 52, which is also the biggest <laughs> number that, that Michigan's yeah. put on the scoreboard so far. So you just look at this team like they are really rolling right now. And if you listened to or saw any of the comments that Harbaugh had after the ball game and how he praised this team, uh, that's saying something for Jim Harbaugh to put that kind of praise on a football team and on individuals for that particular ball game because he was highly, highly uh, sensitive in the sense always of not giving too much credit. And obviously he's giving a lot of credit to this ball club. So, you know, they're playing really, really well. How do you think uh, coach Allen, you know, he has such a positive guy all the time, but going into a situation like this, where there's, you know, there's been some struggles there may, you know, expected to be some more tomorrow. How does he keep that team on point and, and focused and, and, Still, you know, like you said, looking for some positives to build on tomorrow. Well, that's the one thing you can talk about Tom Allen. He's always got this positive attitude. He's always got the attitude that, that he's going to believe no matter what. He, he believes in his players. Uh, I think he tries to convey that to his team, and most of the time I think they buy into it. But this team in the last two or three ball games hasn't lived up to what we thought they were going to become at this point in the season, and you thought that they might be in a better position right now than they are at this juncture. That said, uh, I can't see a difference in Tom Allen, no matter wh what the situation is, how many games they've won or how many games they've lost. He goes into the next ball game with the same kind of attitude. We're going to get this thing done. If you don't believe we're going to get it done, then don't get on the bus. And obviously that's his approach, and I can't disagree with it. I think that's the only way you can go into ball games. Lisa, uh, voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher again. IU Michigan and Ann Arbor coming up tomorrow. 11 a.m. coverage begins, 93 WIBC. Does it matter at all at this point? I mean, you look at it and you go, wow, number two Michigan. Well, that stinks coming out of a bye week and a team that has changed over its offensive coordinator and is looking for so many answers right now. Does it really matter at all if it's Michigan or, you know, if it were Rutgers, a better team, a team that's not as good? Does any of that matter, Don, at this point to you? It does to me. <laughs> I mean, honest to goodness, I we wish they were playing Illinois or Purdue or anybody else right now other than Michigan. <laughs> just because of what Michigan's been able to do up to this juncture. Sure. But, you know, the facts are the facts are what they are. And Indiana's playing Michigan tomorrow, and there's nothing we can do about that except go out there and hopefully watch a team compete like crazy and give our, give themselves a chance to win the ball game. Well, what's crazy is, you know, you've, you've played Ohio State, you played 
uh, lost to Maryland, lost to Louisville, and those teams you add in tomorrow, Michigan, these teams are like 20-1 and one overall. You've, I mean, it's been a difficult schedule no matter how you look at it. And then I, I think the real – if you could have gotten that game against Louisville, you'd be feeling a lot better about things right now, sitting there at three and two. But obviously, year in year out, you're in the Big Ten. The way that it's very top heavy, this schedule coming out of the gate, isn't it? Yeah, there's no question. And and with Indiana, it's, it seems like that every year. It because you're always playing Michigan, you're always playing Ohio State, you're always playing Penn State, you're always playing Michigan State. <laughs> I mean, you just go down the list. And Michigan State might even be vulnerable this year like they were a year ago uh, because of the struggles that they're having with their coaching situation at Michigan State. I guess we could always say that there's a team worse than Indiana in regard to how people are thinking about <laughs> when you look at the Spartans on Saturday because, uh, man, you talk about a team that's got all kinds of controversial things going on. Hey, Don, I just think about the last time out prior to the bye week. We didn't talk at length at all, really, last week about this. We spent more time about IU and Kentucky but in basketball. But it was just Maryland. It's one thing to have a team beat you as soundly as they did. But until they pulled their front-line guys, IU, unfortunately, was not even close to being competitive. And that's that probably what bums me out more, really more than anything else. Well, and, and and I'll agree with you, John, on that. And the reason I would agree is because I did not think Indiana's defense showed up last uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I thought that yeah. was the most disappointing aspect of that game. Uh, granted, uh, Talia is really a good quarterback, Tungvaloa, uh, a terrific quarterback. and but, but Indiana put no pressure on him. He didn't have any pressure all day long. He was able to find receivers open all day long. Indiana makes mistakes early on in the ball game that really cost them and kind of set the tone for the whole ball game. But it was the defensive giving up big plays throughout that contest that really concerned me more than anything. Because if we thought what we thought early on was that the defense would probably carry us while these uh, while the redshirt freshman would get his feet under him a little bit, that certainly has not been the case now in the last couple of ball games. Well, Fish, I know you'll bring your A game no matter what the pontificators say about the game, the point spread, all that nonsense. I just feel bad that on this Friday the 13th, you're without a television set in your hotel room. Yeah, uh, the TV is on, but it's not working. (laughs) (laughs) That's like JMV. He's always on, but he's never working. Yeah, I think about uh, two-thirds of the the stations are are scrambled, and then the one-third that are is like PBS and all that crap. So, <laughs> oh man, they shut you up at Ypsilanti, didn't they? IU, well done, yeah, right they, there, Don. They they're, they're doing it. They're doing it to me. But you know what? I'm still, I'm still sitting here basking in the Eagles concert this past Tuesday. It was absolutely nice. incredible. That's All awesome. right, were you bummed out because Steve Miller Band had to substitute for Steely Dan as the opener? No, my wife was bummed out about it, though, because Steely Dan is her all-time favorite group. <laughs> no question about yeah. that. And the Eagles are my all-time favorite group, so I wasn't bummed at all. <laughs> no, nah, and I, I heard that was a back-to-back thing both Monday and Tuesday earlier this week at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It is, was there a, a song, performance-wise, that you liked more than anything else in that Eagles show? absolutely every song that they played and i'm not kidding you on this uh, and i'm i'm a big fan of the eagles i always have been probably my favorite all-time group uh, along with earth wind and fire but no question yeah. every song that they sang 
every song that they sang, and Vince Gill was had taken the place of Fry, who yep. had passed away, but Vince Gill was absolutely incredible. And I'm telling you, the concert itself was the best concert I've ever seen. And the first, the, I've only said that about three concerts I've ever seen, and the Eagles have had two of them. So that tells you something. Now, Fish, when you're at the concert and you're enjoying all these these great songs they have, are you a sing-along guy or are you just kind of a stand-there-and-listen guy? Are you standing up? What, what is your concert uh, protocol? My concert protocol is to sing along with every single song. I don't know wor- half the words to any of the songs, but I fake it like crazy. I'm really good at can, that. And I can you imagine the – Just like every white man in the country. <laughs> Can, can you imagine, though, you're at the Eagles concert and you hear a guy singing behind you? That sounds like Don Fisher. And you look back and there's Fish. <laughs> he's singing He's singing Hotel California. That would be great. On a dark desert highway. <laughs> right there. No, I love those guys. I really do. And they were fantastic. That, I'm not kidding you. I don't know that anybody that went to that concert wouldn't tell you exactly the same thing. No. Wow. Um, and was there – see – Hagan and I, this was probably, how many years ago did we see Steely Dan? About 10 years ago. And Walter Becker was still alive when we went about 10 years ago. And uh, the older generation of folks kind of sparked up, if you know what I mean. A little marijuana inside the mirror, Don, when we were there 10 years ago. Did you you smell any of that sticky icky going on in Gambridge Fieldhouse? I I did not. I did not. Oh, wow. Here's what I will tell you. Here's the other thing I would tell you. Don Henley yeah. came out at, at the very beginning and, and spoke to the crowd, and he said, I just want people here in Indianapolis to know that this venue in a, in a building this size has the best acoustics of any building in the country of this size any place we play. And I wow. can honestly vouch for that. That is absolutely true. Nah, that's, and you know what, Don, it didn't used to be that way. Honestly, I know. I mean, they've made they, they have made a, a lot of strides into making that place sound good because when it first opened, it wasn't that way at all. No, and I can tell you, I've, I've seen their concerts. I think I saw the 2015 concert that they did in, in uh, Gamebridge, and I thought it was good then, but this was yeah. even better. I mean, it was fantastic. Fish, you said two of your three favorite were Eagles. What was the other one that was your favorite concert? Oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. That it is right Nice. There. Now, when did you see Earth, Wind, and Fire? Mirai Shrine. Man, I saw Earth, Wind, and Fire in the early 2000s um, with Chicago. And at the end, for the grand finale, they all got on stage together. And it was incredible. It was awesome. Oh, I can, I can imagine that. My wife is. Oh, I've seen. I saw Chicago at the um, – at the tennis center, was it that back in the? Uh, yep. Gosh, this was yep. a long time ago. Chicago yeah. came to uh, and they played at the tennis center. Uh, well, I can't think of the name of the tennis center now. Uh, off of the IUPUI campus there. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah, I think it's the tennis center. I think it's the Indianapolis yeah. Tennis Center is what it was called yeah. back then. But it did. It was synonymous for hosting a lot of concerts back then. Right. Right. And then Chicago played there, and I saw them at that. That's the only time I saw Chicago, and I've always liked Chicago a ton too. Oh, man, together. Earth, Wind, and Fire in Chicago was, was great. I, and I, I apologize to Susie for no Steely Dan, but Steely Dan, they, they're money. I know with no Walter Becker, it, it's not going to be the same, but it would still have been great. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it was. But you know what? Uh, Steve Miller Band wasn't too bad either. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, what is he, 80 years old, and he still gets it done. Let me tell you, he's a crusty old dude, but he gets it done. <laughs> 
He is 80 years old, and man, can he play a guitar. He, he, wow. he, learned, he learned from Les Paul. Back, he yeah. was, he's from Milwaukee, and he learned from Les Paul. He was a kid, I guess maybe eight or nine, and his dad took him to a, a Les Paul concert or something. And, and he got to meet Les Paul. His dad knew Les Paul. Anyway, long story short, Steve Martin learned – or Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve Miller. Uh, <laughs> he plays banjo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, the banjo. Uh, but this guy can play a guitar like nobody I've ever seen. I mean, there, there are a lot of great guitarists. Joe Walsh, of course, is unbelievable. And the guy mm. that they have – that guy that they have uh, – what was his name? Schmidt? Stuart Schmidt? Timothy, uh, B. Timothy B. Schmidt. Timothy B. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he is he is an incredible guitar player. I mean, golly, these guys are so good. It's just amazing to me. It's another tequila sun. I know you're singing that out loud right at the beginning of that song right there. I sing them all out loud, boys. My wife doesn't like it, but I do. Oh, man. Sound great right there. Hey, that's going to get you primed, man. That's yeah. You don't need any TV tonight. You can just play back in your memory earlier yeah. this week at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Good. I didn't think about doing that, but I probably will. <laughs> man, tell Kegger or somebody or whoever's on that trip to get you a TV. Damn. I mean, what what's the guy got to do for a TV here that's been doing play-by-play play for your school since 74? Come on. After we, after we get done with the meal, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I may have to go to bed early for a change. <laughs> Yeah, believe me, I'm sure everybody in Ypsilanti has already decided to turn the lights off well before you go to bed up there, Don, I'm sure. So, <laughs> Ypsilanti, Michigan, good Lord. I'd rather sleep out in the rest stop, I think, wouldn't you? Come on, Ypsilanti, yuck. <laughs> I tell, I'm just telling you, this golf course is right outside my window. I'm looking right at it. It's beautiful. Well, all right, Tim. I will be listening tomorrow. I have, I have I have the only good-looking window, hotel window in the country, right here in Ypsilanti, right? Now. I'm sure they they knew who you were. Probably actually cleaned it for the first time since 1984. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I love right, Michigan, Don. I love it so. I know it, buddy. I will be listening tomorrow morning, 11 a.m., uh, downstairs on 93 WIBC and the, uh, the IU Network's got you covered tomorrow with, uh, with Don and Rhett and the gang and John. Should be a great time. Don, I appreciate you, man. Have a great broadcast. Thanks, See you, Fish. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. See you. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, big Eagles fan right there. You're at the concert and you hear behind you, on a dark desert highway, cool See, wind on my you hair. You didn't want to do that in front of him, did you? I had it cocked and locked, but I'm like... <laughs> Warm smell of Kalitas rising up <laughs> through the air. Can you do Desperado? Can you look back and you're like, this guy sounds like that. It is Don Fisher. Don's in full throat. Oh, man. I love going to see Steely Dan when we did, though. You know That's what? I, I actually took Monday off and I was going to go. And then when Steely Dan wasn't going to yeah. be there, they said due to illness. Right. The illness had to be Donald Fagan. It right? had to be. Yeah. You couldn't. You would have found another keyboard yeah. player or somebody. He had to be the one. Oh, wow. What? Uh, hey, jump on here, yeah. Sam. I didn't know that. What was Donald Fagan hospitalized yeah, about? Yeah, so I, I have the inside scoop because I, too, was actually at the concert. Um, Don Henley says that uh, Fagan was hospitalized, but he said that he'd been out. Uh, Steely Dan's off the rest of their October shows, but I think is rejoining in November. Oh, wow. I'll have to do that. Then. I will say this, though. Getting Steve Miller Band to join in that short amount of time like that, that's pretty, that's pretty money right there. Honestly, for that type of show, that worked great. Do you think they got him? Was he in Phoenix, Arizona, or was he in Tacoma? 
Mm-hmm. Was he in Philadelphia? He was standing at, on the corner in was Winslow, he in Arizona. Atlanta or L.A. You're mixing your bands. The Winslow, Arizona was Eagles. I know, but but I'm Steve just, Miller was. Show. I went from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Tacoma. Uh, it is like that was a great. I mean, yeah. sometimes they're like we just won't have an opening act, or we're going to get right. you know who knows who. But uh, a quick question: I heard an ad coming in here. For Flock of Seagulls. Yes, we're, are, we're are you in? Well, I'm a, I thought that was supposed to be my show, and I haven't heard yet. I thought with the Mirah Old National Center in the Egyptian Room that I was doing the promotion for that show. Well, I want to go there. Because I, I mentioned this yesterday. I think Mike Score is still the guy inside. Uh, we'll talk about this on the other side. Sam is all over me to hit this break, and he's absolutely right. We'll do that. Look up Mike Score on the Flock of Seagulls because he was an M that did right. pop music, and in Reflex that did the politics of dancing. Some 80s greatness right there. Much like a Bud Light Blue Friday, walk-ons downtown. Uh, a little bit of Jaguar insight coming up on the other side as well. We've got Colts tickets to give away and great food at walk-ons downtown. Bud Light Blue Friday, 93.5107 by the fan. Shout out to our guy Eddie here at walk-ons. He's been outstanding. I love this place down here. The menu, I was just looking at the menu. The menu is very Southern and very Cajun. Uh, we've got Colts tickets to give away on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Chris Hagan of Fox 59 is with us. Uh, you being from Alabama, this is right up your alley. Oh, right yeah, here. all day. I also lived, I was born in Mississippi, but I also grew up in Louisiana and Alabama. So this menu is God. in my wheelhouse. It's like everywhere down there. All the SEC states I lived in. Mr. Southern. Tennessee, Georgia. Yeah. In the deep south. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good people. God's country. But I can tell you a fun fact. Yesterday was the 24th anniversary of when I interviewed for the job at Fox 59. And was, was it really? And was offered that job 24 years ago. 24 yesterday. years ago today. I saw Edron James a couple uh, weeks ago, and I told him that my first season covering the Colts was his first season as a Colt. And we kind of looked at each other like, damn, that's a, lot of, that's a long time ago when you think and about it. And then one guy went. One way, and one the guy other became guy a Hall of Famer. A different way. The other guy became a guy hanging out with John on Friday. Yes, yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, uh, joining us now. He's a part of the Believe Podcasting Network, and uh, he covers obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Justin Dunk is with us. So I, I saw the stat that you put out regarding Travis Etienne. Uh, according to PFF. Leads the NFL in missed tackles, fourth with 27. Uh, when healthy, how elusive and good has he been for this team? He's been a lead, I think you could say. He's in the top five in rushing in the NFL with just under 400 yards. He has the second most amount of yards after contact. The first guy in that category is Christian McCaffrey with 357. ETN Jr. has 308. So this guy's been really good, and he hasn't really had much room from this offensive line that has been shuffled around a little bit with Cam Robinson coming back and then before that playing four games where the interior didn't play very well. So ETN Jr., even though it's not a crazy eye-popping statistical start, has been really good for the Jags. As uh, defending AFC South champs and as a team that already beat the Colts here in town, you could under understand why they're favored on Sunday. But the Colts haven't won down there in, in almost a decade. Um any explanation for that? I mean, there have been some really good Colts teams that have lost to garbage, no offense, Jaguar teams down there. But is that something they even talk about and take pride in keeping this long streak alive of dominating the horseshoe on the home turf? 
And the Jags do it seven straight. And you're right. It goes back even eight straight from when these teams played a game over in London, where Jacksonville was technically the home team that the Jags have won. And a lot of those victories were decisive, you know, like last year, 24, nothing, 2021, 26, 11. So those are some of the more recent scores. And I just think it's kind of one of those things, right? It's an oddity. It's an anomaly. I don't necessarily think there's a reason why, because these teams have been vastly different over the years, but it definitely is something that Jacksonville takes pride in and Duval County is hoping continues. Hi, Justin, the Colts have a myriad of injuries, although I guess they did get good news within the last hour or so with, uh, you know, left tackle uh, Bernard Ryman uh, going to be able to give it a go. And then Quiddy Pay on the defensive line side of things going to be able to be good to go as well. We'll get to that coming up in a minute. But the injuries with the Jaguars are interesting. Um, I, and I don't know how you have this offensively. There are going to be some tremendous missing pieces. We kind of see Zay Jones as, as one of those guys that could be really tough on the Colts' defense in a secondary in which has not played well so far this season. But what about the Jaguars' offensive line? Looks like it's going into this game rather dinged up as well. It is. Just to touch on Zay Jones really quickly, I think he's a guy that helps this offense be at its best. He had that touchdown, that great grab in week one at Lucas Oil Stadium. And then last week had another one. And he's a very comfortable receiver for Trevor Lawrence, a guy that he looks to oftentimes in critical situations or on third down. So he'll be missed. I've looked for Jamal Agnew to get a bunch of reps there and potentially Tim Jones sprinkled in as well. And then you mentioned on the offensive line, Walker Little is out. He was the guy that started at left tackle for four games until Cam Robinson got back, and everybody in Jacksonville was excited after Robinson got back because they're like, well, we can just kick Walker Little inside. And he started at left guard last week and they went over the Bills in London, but that didn't last long. He suffered a knee injury in that game, so that means Tyler Shatley is going to start at left guard. He's usually the backup center. He's a guy that can kind of play any of those interior spots in a pinch, and he's been decent. But I think that's a matchup that if you're the Colts, you're looking at and saying, okay, DeForest Buckner lining up over Tyler Shatley is a matchup that we really like. The Colts, um, as you mentioned one time, played the Jags over in London. And right now, this current roster, fresh off a two-game stretch overseas, they, they handle their business over there. But do you think there'll be any kind of uh, negative effects of being over there for so long and coming back stateside? Uh, and how maybe has the team indicated they're, they're handling that transition of a couple of weeks overseas. I think it's been long enough now that they've been able to get reacclimated to the Eastern time zone. It's a five-hour difference from where they were in London. And earlier in the week, they kind of took it easier on the players. They didn't really push them to the max. They prioritized the recovery time. So I think earlier in the week, you could hear Trevor Lawrence talk about it and some of the players say, yeah, you know, I feel a little bit sleepy. And I think Trevor Lawrence was going to bed at like, nine o'clock at night. And he said one day he woke up at five o'clock in the morning. So I guess <laughs> a week goes along that that should have played itself out, but that's critical for the Jags. They got to get off to an energetic start after that jet. Like, I think that was something that allowed the bills to get behind over there in London. Jacksonville had been over there for the most part of 10 days before they played Buffalo and the bills looked a little sleepy and Jacksonville took advantage. So the Jags can't let the same thing happen in reverse to them with Indy coming to town. Uh, DeForest Buckner is talking about some of the losses he's experienced down there has been getting off to, to slow starts, and they're going to try to change that on Sunday. But I, I know what coaches and players say, you know, it's a long season, it's the biggest game because it's the next game. But when you look at this, 
really a chance for Jacksonville to kind of put an early stranglehold on this division just into week six because you would have already the head-to-head tiebreaker having swept the Colts. Uh, and, you know, we see how, the, how Houston and Tennessee have had their struggles. I think this is a, a more important game for the Colts to make sure they at least split the season series. But a lot on the line here for the Jags. Are they, are they talking that up or are they saying the same things we expect them to say? Yeah, they're kind of saying the same things that you would expect them to say. Doug Peterson doesn't really play up any of those things too much. I think he motivates in a much different way. But it is a big game in the FC South. The Jags are you know, thinking about being able to create a little bit of distance here and obviously sweep the season series from the Colts. So it's a big one, but the Jags are you know, doing the cliche thing, treating it like it's the next one. Hey, Justin Dunk is with us, the Believe Podcasting Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We know how the fans up here are viewing this, and really with Anthony Richardson out, um, there hasn't been much of a fall-off with that with Gardner Menchu in mind. Your fan base knows a great deal about Gardner Menchu from the past, but I'm curious about this 3-2 and start in Jacksonville. Has that met the expectation of the fan base? Is it okay there, or is maybe there a little bit of disappointment with their level of play at all so far? What have you seen? I would say there was definitely disappointment with the effort against the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud has shown at least through the five weeks of the season that he looks like he has the makings of being a really good quarterback in the NFL. But that game, there were some blown coverages on the back end. You know, the offense didn't really show up and play very well. There were some key drops in that game. Calvin Ridley was going offside as a receiver, even though he's like staring at the football and they're playing at home. So a lot of miscues in that game led to that loss. And I think a lot of Jags fans were expecting this team to probably be four and one at this point in the season. And they played well enough, especially defensively to beat the chiefs. So I think that they're kind of where, Jacksonville and Duval County figured they would be, but I think they thought that they would at least have one more win through five weeks. Yeah, it's interesting. If, if you swapped that loss to Houston with Buffalo, you'd say, well, okay, you lost to the Chiefs in Buffalo, but because <laughs> that kind of embarrassing fashion at home, that's it. just one and two on the home turf down there. And the Colts, uh, interestingly enough, two and oh on the road. You, if you want to go out there and try to be the, the king of the division and, and stack the wins, they've got to start taking better care of the home field, don't they? You do, and the odd stat with Jacksonville is that they're 0-2. I think it might even be 0-3. No, it's 0-2 at home, actually in Jacksonville, and they're 2-0 in London, right? Like, they, yes, they were the home team <laughs> in London, but they haven't won a game technically on their home field. So, yeah, they got to get it going there and figuring it out. That's supposed to be an advantage, and that needs to become one if Jacksonville has real aspirations of, as you mentioned earlier, taking control of the AFC South and becoming potential Super Bowl contenders. He's got the podcast where you get all the information regarding the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and at JDunk12 is where you can find him as well with that particular stat regarding Travis Etienne and more Justin Dunk on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Enjoy that game coming up on Sunday, Justin. We appreciate that time. Have a great weekend. You too, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Justin Dunk right there. The uh, ETN thing kind of got lost, I think, Chris, in the shuffle of all the conversations we were had this week about who's going to be able to play and Minshew in for Richardson and, you know, Calvin Ridley and now his first year, first five games with the Jacksonville Jaguars. There are two wins over in London, but ETN has been really good for yeah. that team so far. It's uh, Well, 
fantasy football players are well aware of that and talking that up. What I'm what I'm curious about as far as you talk about uh, players and their mindset, what will it be like for Minshew? Uh, you have to think he gets a positive reaction, at least at the start, from the fans down there because that was – you know, an unexpected, you know, a late-round draft pick in 2019. He's forced into to duty early because of injury. And he was really a beloved guy down there. And I, I would like to think he'll get a positive reaction, you know, in, in pregame or when he hits the field for the first time because he's a hard guy not to like. So, uh, Hagan, he's going to hang here for another minute. We'll come back. Here is Hoosier Park Race of the Day on the other side. That's 50-50 betting and dining on the line. From Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson. Looks like Q317 said he's ready for his segment. Q317 calls in the JMV takeover on Saturday night as well and does an excellent job. By the way, JMV takeover tomorrow, the weekend of B105.7 is about one-hit wonders. Now, they go in to, like, this era of it and, you know, the past 10 years, past 20 years, I don't do that. But one-hit wonders, JMV takeover-wise, a lot of those tomorrow. What's funny is for people like you and I, sometimes people will try to yeah. run a one-hit wonder by you and you'll be like well you know actually they had this so like you we can, oh, we'll nerd it up completely yeah, we'll go yeah. Completely. yeah well actually you know you missed out they had two songs that charted uh the top 40 you forgot about this one but yeah i, I do i asked this the other day i don't know if i asked you this because i have a head injury uh, i tweeted this out what is a song you cannot hear without thinking of the music video and for me it's take on me by yeah. aha i hear the song and the video pops right in my brain yeah it, it, i think that's probably the t- oh, that is Sledgehammer. A lot of people of said uh, Thriller was a, a big yeah. reaction for people yeah. as well. There goes an LSU baseball it. fan. Look at him. Just, he gave you a little shot yeah, you right go. there. That's Mike Sorotka. Hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you think you knew who Mike Sorotka uh, Paul was? Bird. You know that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, quick break. We'll come back to Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day. 50-50 betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson to the winner. Hagan and I come back on the other side. We'll close this out and get you set for Colts Happy Hour. Walk-ons downtown. Bud Light Blue Friday. Colts tickets to give away. An absolute blast on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Park race of the day. The winner, Jake Barger. Well done right there. Cruising Kristen was the winner. That paid $8. Sparkling Diva placed at $360. And uh, KB's Bonbon showed at $460. Your Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. Jake gets 50-50 betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Tuesday through Friday right here and racing at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino at Anderson through the first couple of weeks of December. Chris Hagan, what do you got going on this weekend? IU Michigan tomorrow at noon on Fox 59. Colts Blue Zone, 11.30 a.m. CBS 4. Colts and Jags, 1 o'clock CBS 4. Sports Overtime with JMV, 10.35 Sunday night. You got that. And a one-hit wonder Saturday night JMV takeover. By the way, it's Mike King. Mike King of Level 42 that has the M and the Reflex 80s band one-hit wonder influence right there. So you would know that's Chris Hagan. We'll come back with you on the other side. It is Colts Happy Hour. More Jaguars, Colts conversation coming up for you at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Live at Walk-Ons downtown, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.